For those curious, 55 represents major life changes, new experiences, and personal growth. We won't touch on any of that in episode, but I figured it'd be okay. No, f- that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we got the cold open taken care of. So that was cool. I don't have anything else to say about it. There's Grant's face. I'm sorry. I don't know what I did. <laughs> so uh, anyway, back to your regular scheduled program. Oh, boy, he's muted now. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, is that right? I forget. Sorry, we're very, we're, we're, we're very we're G, professional. We're a G-rated show, but Scott will edit that out. It, you guys are seeing how the cookies are made. I thought okay. it was sausage. <laughs> yeah, well, I like both, so I'm I'm cool with that. Ooh, here we go. at it again we are here for episode 55 thank you so much for listening there's five of us tonight we're missing our bread friend that's okay we have a lot of crap to talk on him and i cannot wait to tell you about the bet i'm gonna win with him so with that let's throw it around the horn and start with tj what's new with you sorry i had to cough right when you said my name i was like please don't say my name first um (laughs) not a whole lot honestly um yeah i've kind of been in a little bit of a i don't know funk i guess I guess is the best way to put it. Um, I've been really unfocused. I haven't really been building a whole lot. I've been trying. I built and painted the RB armored car from CSM, and then that went nowhere. Uh, I built the VT 1-2. That went nowhere. I started working on a another mat kit. That one's actually making progress, but I didn't get to do a whole lot this last couple of days. I've been busy. Today, I went fishing um, all day, which was pretty sweet. Caught myself some dinner. But yeah. And I went to a show last weekend, which was really fun. I'll talk about that later. Nice. I think you missed maybe one highlight. You received something in the mail. Oh, you! I totally forgot. <laughs> I'm really tired. I've been up since three o'clock this morning, so I'm I'm a little gassed now because uh, this is at nighttime when we're recording this. Yes, I did. I got the uh, new book from Lincoln Wright. The uh, the link. Back report is freaking awesome. It's all about the Mark 44 ammo night slash white night slash hammer night slash whatever you want to call it. There's like a million different variations. It's really cool. I'm going to try to do like a little review of it. I don't know if I'm going to record it because I don't like doing that kind of stuff. So I might just take some pictures, talk about it and put it up on the, um, the Facebook page that will have already happened by the time this comes out. So yeah, it's an awesome book. Uh, thank you to Link. He sent it to me. Uh, personalized it for me, which is even cooler. And it has since taken a hollowed spot on my my bookshelf with all my other MacBooks that I got from Mr. Grant Mayberry. Nice. It's a book I need to order. For our listeners that are curious, you can find the Mark 44 book on paintonplastic.com. It is 50 bucks, a little bit of shipping. It'll get you to the United States. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Doug. How's it been in Utah, my friend? Well, it's been crazy at my house. If for anybody that's ever been interested in allowing their grandchildren to move back in with them, just say no. 
Um, it really, it, it's been a crazy house. And so my, my nights to myself get started really late. Kind of wanted to suck the mojo out of me, but I would force myself to come down. I've got um, three things on the bench. Um, needed a little bit of uh, just dug time. So I started uh, the Bandai B-Wing uh, to build for uh, for a friend. And um, I'm loving that. I mean, it's a Bandai, so it falls together. And even though the B-Wing is kind of complex, I'm already almost ready for paint. And then that tiger build that we started a month or so ago with JB, um, I finally got the colors I needed. And so that's in paint now, although I had a little problem. Uh, my Badger paintbrush, my Sotar had the spring fall out of the, I don't know how it worked its way out because I didn't take that part apart, but the the trigger assembly, the, the spring just came out of it. So um, I've got the parts ordered. I'm getting a couple new trigger assemblies for that. But while I had that on the bench, I thought if I'm using those colors already, I pulled out a kit that I started a few years ago, which is the Tamiya 48 scale uh, Yog Panther. And uh, so that one also has its first layer of paint on it. It was kind of interesting because the plastic's the same color on both kits, but the Tiger got the uh, mahogany Mr. Surfacer paint, uh, the uh, uh, primer on it, and the difference and seeing the primer, the primered one with the same color over it is really kind of amazing. Uh, the the tiger looks really really sharp with that with that color underneath it. So that's where I am at this point. Very nice. I'm gonna kick it over to Grant. We're gonna go a little bit further west. Grant, what's on your bench? How's it going, buddy? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I finished up my uh, ogre for uh, Orange Con, which was last weekend. A great show. Sorry, I'm gonna give them a little promo here. Over 530 models showed up. I uh, was there, met some great people, Some had some fun time, talked a lot of models. I was able to help judge, so that was fun. Uh, besides the – after that, I've just kind of been trying to get things straight. I'm getting ready to go to Fresno in a couple of weeks up to their show at IPMS for the Fresno show, so that'll be fun. I can't wait to do that with them. That's about it. I really haven't been building. I've been a little bit busy with work and stuff like that, but I've been painting a few figures. Uh so I'm trying to keep busy. You're going to have to let me know next year when Orange Con's going to be because I've got friends down there I'd love to see. Give me an excuse and I'll be there. That that event looked awesome and I know we're going to cover it a little bit more in the near future, so we will come back to that topic and especially what they had on the table showing the visitors. So Scott, I'm going to kick it over to you. I know you've just finished that A-wing, so uh <laughs> yeah, just uh, still still on the high from the uh, IPMS Salt Lake show. And I won't talk a lot about that because we'll uh, talk about that later in the segment when we bring some uh, special guests on board. But John came over. Uh, we almost got Grant. Uh, we're, we're hoping to get him uh, maybe in the future. But, uh, you know, we had Doug and a bunch of local guys. And we had, uh, you know, Patrick Brown from Virginia. The Nofuls came, Hank and Dan. I mean, just uh, Doug Reed and some of the guys guys from Oregon. It was just awesome, you know, and uh, Steve Baker came with JB and John Everett came and just awesome. Great time. So that was fun. Got my uh, Y-Wing done, which is great. Shows are really great. They'll give you motivation. So I finished that and uh, that was really good. I'm glad to get a project in the case. Uh, So that was great. Kind of at a point where I've got the bench all cleared, you know, a project's been finished and sort of waffling between a number of projects that I want to really dive into. 
So kind of as a palate cleanser, I've grabbed the uh, T90A and 148 scale, and I've been playing around with that. I got the lower hole finished and started on the upper hole, just kind of playing around with that. I don't have a plan yet, but wanted to keep, you know, building and, and, and working on that. But yeah, that's kind of, kind of what I've been at, been doing, been a little bit busy, went to LA last weekend to see a, a concert that I was really excited about. And uh, LA was great, except for the traffic, which is just, I mean, like, nuclear holocaust terrible um but other than that it was great experience the concert was great went down to san diego and played around on the uss midway which is always a good time as well yeah that's what i've been up to yeah that trip looked absolutely fantastic i mean you almost paired it with orange con you were so close man yeah you know sean earl good good friend of mine um he he was actually down there for that and you know it didn't quite work out but i almost was able to do that and if i played my card right i'm gonna be in chicago here uh, later in the month and i think i'm gonna be able to go to mmsi and uh, i am really really excited to kind of visit that show so lots of shows and the more the better man it's just it's uh it's been quite a year already and it looks like we're not done yet yeah mmsi is a fantastic show i have not been but those are the same folks that put on world expo back in 2017 absolute killer stellar work every time they have their show i mean people fly in from you know overseas you have john rosengrant bill horan's home stomping ground shep Payne was there you know that that is the show of shows and and barry and jim d regattas from small subjects are an integral part of that so that's really cool that you get to go see that see them and get to meet a lot of people that quite frankly are titans so i'm a little jealous if you have time, check out M and Models there. It is a small hobby shop out near Midway, ran by Marty and Mary. And again, it is it is armor modelers paradise. So yeah, it's it's great. I've actually done some mail order models from them in the past, so kind of familiar with them. But what about you, JB? What have you been up to? I've been doing a lot. I've been very fortunate in a sense where I have been able to power through things. Um, I am working on my fourth build to finish after the Nationals. So I had KV, Tiger 1, the VT, and now I'm almost done with the Stug 3, which is the Urshats M7. I also have a Samwa in primer, which we'll talk about later. And then I also have a Panther G for a special project that just got base coated. So it is, um, I'm drinking that TJ Kool-Aid and not messing around and just, just crushing it. And hopefully some of these will be done in time. I know they'll be done actually in time for Telford, which is only a few short weeks away where I'll win a comet from our good friend, Ivan. Uh, since it, <laughs> since he isn't here, maybe I can give an update for him since he's been trying to negotiate the deal that renegotiate, I should say. So listeners, if you see me randomly post a comment, the Tamiya comment on Ivan's page, it's because we made a friendly wager. He is building three F14 148 scale Tomcats from Tamiya, and he thinks he'll get them done by Telford. I don't think so. So we put on a friendly wager. He initially wanted to do the new Andy's headquarters, uh, Sherman. And I was like, ah, that's a little bit too much. Let's, let's peel it back. How about a comment? So if he can deliver three brand new finished F-14 Tomcats at Telford, I will buy him the new Comet. If he does not, he buys me a Comet. So I like to remind him of that. So on Ivan's bench, he just finished the Mac build, which looks awesome, desolate, his little vignette. He's got a little music tune on it. And then he's preoccupied and occupied until the show with three F-14 Tomcats from Tamiya. Nice. I know we've kind of talked a little bit about shows, but uh, 
TJU and uh, Jackson went to a show, didn't you? Here pretty recently. No, just I went to a show. Jackson. Um, <laughs> oh man. Jackson flaked on me because oh. um, <laughs> kids these days don't know how to drink alcohol and wake up in the morning like real men and get done what they need to get done. Um, I Jackson. guess. I guess oh. little kids need their beauty rest. Uh, uh. As as our friend Aaron can attest, real men can drink till three o'clock in the morning, and be up at eight before eight o'clock, especially for ready a model to go. Show. Yeah, especially for a model show. So no, it was um it was just me and um I mean some of my other friends were there other than Jackson. Um, it was the National Capital Model Soldier Society sixty first annual show. I think I talked about it in the last episode. Um, it is much like the show you're getting ready to go to a full on figure painting show if the name didn't give it away um really cool pretty small um but according to uh david hoffman who i've met at other shows he's also a member of this organization it is or this year was 40 percent larger than last year so i think i was just looking at it they just posted all the pictures on their facebook page i think they had over 50 over 50 entrants, maybe like 55 and i think close to 300 individual models on the table now some of these were like um, collections, right? I had I brought a collection, um, which placed gold. Thank you. Yeah, it was really cool. So this was my first like true open judging style show. And for anyone that has lived under a rock for the last whatever years, in an open judging, you're judged against like a rubric, right? Like against a standard. It's not, um, it doesn't matter what else is on the table. It's what you brought. Um, and I've made no secret that I prefer that because I like to reward modelers for their hard work, no matter what it is. And uh, this reflects that. So it was cool to be able to actually do something in practice that, in theory, I've supported for a number of years. So it only strengthened my resolve to say that is the, I think, most rewarding and most fun way to run a show. Because at the end of the day, I was rewarded for my individual effort, which feels good. I entered four categories out of six. So it's not like a standard IPMS show where there's a 135th scale armor allied prior 1945 135th scale armor german prior 1945 ad nauseum there's science fiction figures science fiction fantasy painting science fiction fantasy open which is like conversions and scratch builds historical painters historical open same thing except for history ordinance which is armor dioramas so that might even be it. There might even, there might have been one more. I don't remember. Um, so yeah, I entered in four categories. I got two golds, a silver and a bronze. I was happy with the results in retrospect because I'm used to IPMS standard. When I was talking to Barry Biediger from Small Subjects, when uh, he was curious what the, what the bronze was, I showed him and he's like, yeah, I would have talked to the judges about that one just to see what they saw. I didn't even think about that because I, I was not complaining that I got a bronze, but I was genuinely interested as to what made that a bronze compared to something else that I painted months before that, that was awarded a gold that I personally think is just is good if not not as good but whatever who cares uh it was really fun i saw my friend dan uh, with his two daughters who were lovely uh, my friend nelson was there and my friend vivian was there we went out to lunch with uh, dana from uh central pa ipms or yeah i think he's central pa ipms and he's a big amps guy Super nice guy. We went and had some pizza. Um, yeah, I met Patrick Kaiser, um, another local guy. You've probably seen him in our Facebook groups. Super nice guy. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. I can't wait. Uh, I'm going to go next year. And yeah, it was great. Figure shows are cool. If you haven't been to one, you should go to one. They're pretty cool, even as a scale model builder, because that's what ordinance is for. Uh, you can, you know, I brought a tank, so that was cool. 
All right. The Triple P is sponsored by tankcraft.com. Tankcraft makes some of the most fabulous scale modeling accessories and modeling tools for your bench. Want to keep extra thin off your bench and in the bottle where it belongs? Check out the Tankcraft glue base designed to stop glue spills. It's made from solid milled aluminum, comes with a stable rubber base pad, and can accommodate most square and round cement bottles. While you're there, check out their line of cutting mats and other unique modeling tools. Posse fans can get 15% off their first order using the code POSSE15. So go ahead and head on over to Tankcraft. That's T-A-N-K-R-A-F-T dot com. Yeah, next time that Ivan joins us, we'll have him talk about his glue base and how much he loves it. <laughs> oh, oh man. See, this is what happens oh, when you don't show no. up, Ivan. <laughs> wow. Hey, hey, speaking about uh, tank craft, have you guys seen the uh, new uh, BF-109 Looks good. Uh, mat that's coming? Man, that's really sharp. I love the color. And I have his Hellcat tracks now, too. So, Brad, fantastic work on that unbelievable quality and I cannot wait to use them. Yeah. I'm going to be building a, uh, the T3485 by RFM again, because I have the tracks for it. I just, I just want to use those tracks and the kit's pretty good too. TJ, tell us about the group build. All right. Well, um, yeah, it's, you know, timely with the release of Link's book. We are up to 245 members. It's been going fantastic. Now, obviously not everyone is in the group is going and so forth. There's a lot of people just enjoying the builds, uh, building along link, uh, mentioned it when he was on, on the bench, uh, last weekend and had nothing but positive things to say about it. Of course, the OTB guys are great. They, they think it's wonderful too. So guys, if you're listening, thank you. Those were, I mean, you guys have been nothing but generous to us anyways. And, uh, that was above and beyond. So thank you. It truly means a lot. And that was a fantastic interview OTB had with Lincoln. I thought it was really, really well done. Major credit to to Dave, Ian, and Julian. Just, again, really good. Our listeners, well worth a listen. And I need to buy that book. Yes, you do. It's it's pretty good. Yeah, so as far as the group goes, um, still plenty of builds going on. Uh, some ones I would like to highlight is Cliff Herring's build of a Mark 44. His own words, he's a very slow builder, but it's paying off because he's adding a lot of details. The, the, the Mark 44 kit's fantastic. If anyone that's built one knows that it's good. It, it's a Hasegawa kit. It goes together perfectly. It's cool looking. It's it's large. Um, it's got everything you want, right? But like any kit, especially science fiction kits, there's always room for improvement or uh, additions. And he's doing a very good job on that. He's replaced a bunch of the bolts with like these cool 3D printed conical bolts. Um, he's added grab handles slash steps to the legs. So if you've ever seen a Mark 44, the legs are pretty tall and um i told him that it looked really cool and he's like well yeah i looked at it and i was like well if someone was gonna climb into this thing that's <laughs> how they would do it and when you put the figure next to it like oh yeah that makes total sense that is how you would do it because there's no other way to do it so His yeah foundry markings are yes awesome. yes and he has covered that thing in foundry markings which is is awesome i love you know i know they're not long for this world but those archer foundry resin decals are, are their best product um mm-hmm. i love them i have a set i sh- should probably try to get some more before they're gone forever hopefully someone will do those again yeah um and then there's been a couple of good discussions about uh obtaining kits and uh we'll talk about that again uh real quick and i have to i had to remind my friend dan this sprue brothers in the united states or in north america sells all the hasagawa mat kits for like really good prices and often on their lightning deal, like earlier this week, where they had the Lunar Diver Stingray on lightning deal for, I want to say, 45 ish dollars. Yeah, it was less than 50. Yeah. 
what that's one of the kits I don't have. So I was like, I can't not buy it. Right. So <laughs> I definitely got it. Um, but they have, you know, I know we mentioned it before, but they have the Falc, the Mark 44, not rocker, the nut rocker, which is awesome. One of the coolest kits, the Luna diver, uh, the one thirty fifth scale, uh, a lot of the suits that Hasegawa also makes. Yep. So that, that's a, a, a good, place to get them from and of course hobby league japan for new releases and and as i've told people multiple times in in the group and they've asked about it just be patient you will find good deals i'm living proof of that i have a whole closet full of them so yeah same yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i know grant knows too as a as a long time mac guy because you guys might know this but quite a number of those uh, a fair amount were a good deal that i got from grant so <laughs> yep Awesome people like Grant exist that will give you deals. Just don't pay too much. Yeah. There's no reason to. Um, even if, you know, like uh, the Rapoon is an awesome suit, it's not worth $100. No. $50? Yeah, I'd definitely go for it, even though it retailed for like 30 two or 35 but after, you know if you get it from japan after shipping that's about what you're paying for it i mean i, I would jump on it but anything over that is awesome i mean unless you have to have it i would say just bide your time someone will sell one i just like to add to the group build that if you are looking for a kit if you need a kit uh, i was fortunate now these aren't plastic kits per se but they are very similar <laughs> I have a bunch of 35th scale suits, the Melusine and a few, oh gosh, they're like SAF kind of suits. Um, anyway, they're toys, but you can strip them and paint them. So if, you, if you're if you looking for something to build, you're not sure what you want to build. If you just want to try out Mac, I have about 10 of them. If you're a listener and you're interested in joining, if you're going to Nats, if you'd ship it back to us, that'd be awesome. I will send you one. You can strip it. You can repaint it, make it your own, and then either bring it to the show and put it on the table with us or ship it back to me and I'll gladly take it to the show for you. We want to see as many people get involved with this as possible. And when I was at a local swap meet, a guy had a box of them. I got a killer deal and I want to share the wealth with everybody listening. So please reach out if you want to participate and you just haven't had a chance to buy a kit or just looking to test the waters with Mac. One other thing I want to mention is in our next episode, episode 56, we will be making an announcement of a new sponsor uh, for this group build and a little bit of a tease. That sponsor will have something to do with one of the rules of the group build. And I'm going to leave it right there, <laughs> but uh, stay tuned next episode for that. We're very excited about this, and I think all the members of the group build will be excited about it as well. All right. Now we're going to transition over to a favorite segment of ours that we brought back recently, and it's going to be the social media shout out. And I'd encourage my co-hosts to jump in and contribute to uh, some of the topics I picked because I've seen them like and comment on them. The first I want to highlight was posted in the Plastic Posse group, and it was just recently. It's Jewel Munson's sunken tie fighter gents how sweet is that yeah that is a beautiful beautiful build i love that thing a lot it's great yeah the the water the, it's so stunning when somebody brings that level of realism to a sci-fi build it's you know a lot of times uh, some sci-fi builds tend to be a little bit i don't i don't mean this in a real negative way but just sort of sterile because a lot of the craft that you're modeling it's in a cartoon or it's in a movie and so it doesn't really have the chance to get real down and dirty with the environment and yeah i mean just he just crushed it on this build it's really stunning it's sitting in water but it's murky water and it looks like real murky water it doesn't mm -hmm. look like it's not uniform in color you can see it transition towards the bottom to an even murkier muddier bottom and and the moss and the and the grass is growing in it is it's out of this world 
Yeah, I think it's really well done. So the next topic, the next social media shout out is to a company. And I'd like to shout out to Mia's latest post of their F35A. It, they posted a built one that has a little bit of a pin wash on it, a little panel line wash that really accentuates a lot of those details, the ram panels, the undercarriage, the landing gear bay is absolutely stunning. I almost want to do it inverted so you can see the thing with the gear doors open. Grant, I got to kick it to you. What did you see when you held it in your hands? Is it is it all what it, I mean, it's awesome, right? I'm speechless to be honest. Yeah, it's all that in a bag of Cheetos. Um, as someone said there, the Tamaya guys were at the OrangeCon show and they had their the sprue shots out. Um, and I got pictures of it for everybody and put, posted them online. Um, the detail alone, uh, the the decals alone. There's like three. There's like three sheets of decals with this thing. It's unbelievable. The detail for the landing bays, the the, the bomb bays, and everything is such a great. It's so. Tamaya, but it's Tamaya step up. We always think we see the best of Tamaya, but there's they stepped up again. This kit is gonna be flying off the shelves. It literally is. I mean, that's a pun. I guess I flying F thirty five, but you know, it, it's it, it's such a beautiful kit. Um, and it, you know, talking to George and the others there from Tamaya, uh, it was it's they they it took them almost five years to get this done um, because there was a lot of, you know, it was a classified aircraft for a long, long time, you know, and you had to get PAOs that would say, yeah, here's some pictures of it. Here's some close-ups. They had to get in, you know, and that's why they did the A model is because they couldn't get the C model. Like it seems like some people want instead of an A model, but you know, that's down the road, you know, yeah, you know, and it is that you can't get a, you can't get an active duty, brand new active duty aircraft, images that you want, especially if an aircraft like that right away. And I'm glad you brought that up, Grant, because there's a lot of discussion. You know, every time Tamiya yeah. releases something, you know, you got a lot of celebrating and a lot of gnashing and wailing yeah. and everything. But Tamiya's done a great job with the marketing. I mean, the A model yeah. is in service all around the globe with mm-hmm. so many customers. Yep. You know, you've got the Israelis, you, you know, on, on and on and on that are using this thing, Australians. It's going to be, you've got to think it's going to be globally just a huge success for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it it, it is just, I mean, they promoted it very well, big posters and everything like that. You know, and I want to bring up, they also had the comment there and I got to see that. And that's a beautiful kit. And when John wins that from Ivan, because, you know, (laughs) Ivan's going to be, have one done maybe, you know, but F-14 done, (laughs) not even one. <laughs> so, you're, John, you're gonna love that kit. That kit is a—it's a complete rebuild. I thought they would have used the old chassis from the old the old uh, Cromwell. No, it's a beautiful, beautiful kit. That's gonna be another great kit. I can hear from across the pond uh, the sounds of keys being depressed on a keyboard right now. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know, Ivan, you you couldn't make it. You know, I'm I'm sorry, but you know that's why you're not a world power. That's right. You know, (laughs) so actually for that F-35, what I'm really stoked to see is the aftermarket companies coming out with the mirror-like finishes. So I don't know if if you gents have been following, but there's some pictures from the desert of some F-35s operating, both CNA models, I believe, Mm -hmm. with mirror-like finishes. Some of them have more of a graphite tone to them, and some of them have a scallop on the wings. And, you know, it all kind of emanates from the sensor spud program back in the 90s with the mirror like F-117. So bottom line is, in terms of unique finishes, I don't think you can get anything better than that, especially with some of those panels being like two-tone and iridescent. So I look forward to the many possibilities that that kit offers. And also it's 
the the external stores on it look great too. The yeah. bombs, the 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 pilot as well. That's going to be. Oh, yeah. in it. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's flawless. It's to yeah. me. Uh, yeah, that pilot is beautiful. Uh, the helmet yeah. on that pilot is fantastic for one yeah. for one forty eight scale. It is really beautiful. That's going to be. It, that is definitely, and they show it with a pin wash on yeah. the page now, and that's nice. It, it really is nice. Yeah, and and I'm going to continue with the aircraft theme for our next social media shout out. Shane Doak's F4 Phantom that he's recently posted online, absolutely killer. Uh, Shane's a good friend of the pod, good friend of some of our close friends, and his work is always uh, you know, a highlight on the internet when it's posted, and his F4 is no exception. It is gorgeous. I love the the giant chess piece uh, right next to the intake. It's uh, I love all the remove before flight tags, and it's really got that heavy, heavy, just weathering, you know, worn on the radome, heavy panel lines, a style that I really like, and it's just, it's really fun flashy, poppy, and just very well done. So awesome work, Shane. Anybody else catch that online? Yeah, it's it's beautiful. His attention to detail is is really terrific. And, you know, shout out to Shane. He's actually coming to Utah for a couple of weeks. So we're going to hang out, go down to MRS, uh, cause some trouble together. Looking forward to that. But yeah, I think I think Shane indicated, John, that that's going to be published here, I, I believe, pretty quick. So Nice. should see that in a magazine. And I'll finish off social media shout outs real quick with AO Mecca. It's a Instagram page. I encourage everyone to go over there and look, like, and follow his work. Had a chance to meet him in Salt Lake. He was out there for their Comic-Con and stopped by the show because some local Gundam builders invite him, invited him over. And super nice gentleman. Really, really nice to meet him. I think it'd be great to have him on the pod sometime. Maybe we'll have a Gundam roundtable with him and Josh and a few others. I think it'd be great to expose us to a community that we're really not used to. And really want to learn more about. And one of the things that sticks out to me and why I chose his profile is just, I'm always amazed with with the photography of Gundam modelers. You know, if you go to his page, you'll see a lot with their benchtop shots, but man, they are lit really, really well. And I'm talking different colored LEDs, you know, background with, you know, certain, I wouldn't say product placement, but the way, you know, things are, they're just very well composed photographs. Um, Also dynamic as well in terms of poses with the with the mechas themselves. So huge shout out to him, really admire his work. And it was really great to meet him in Salt Lake and hopefully we'll have him on. So again, go over and check out AO underscore mecha on Instagram. Yeah, it's a great recommendation, JB. I think a lot of these Gundam guys, like our buddy Joshua Scott up in uh, the Pacific Northwest, their photography and and uh, composition skills are really next level. You know the 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 Gundams with the towers, and I mean they they just do a really great job on the presentation. You know that final five percent that we've talked about on this show quite a bit. They really got that piece of it down. And man, it was great to meet him. And and he's also a good friend of Mike Rinaldi's and uh, we had a good conversation about that. But super great guy. I'm really glad he took the initiative to scoot over from the Salt Lake uh, Fan X and come see the model show. And with that, Scott, why don't you introduce us to our special segment that's closely tied to that? Thanks, JB. Well, uh, we are going to hear for a, a kind of a roundtable discussion that's kind of a summary of the recent Salt Lake City IPMS show. Um, as you guys have heard on here, we had a great uh, local model show here. I, I've been going to these things for quite a while. It's probably one of the best shows uh, we've had in Salt Lake City for a while. We had a lot of participation, not only from people here in the state of Utah, but keep people coming from out of state and uh, including a lot of our friends. So uh, without further ado, here's that segment.
Okay, listeners, now it's time for a special little segment highlighting an event we just went to where we saw some old friends and met new ones. And that was the IPMS Salt Lake show on the weekend of September 24th. And it was much more than just a show, but an entire experience that started several days beforehand and ended a couple days after. So with that, we're just going to go around the room and have a good old chat and relive the weekend's events, talk about what we love, what we didn't get to do, unfortunately, maybe because of time crunches. And what we saw on the table that was awesome, some of the sights, some of the food we ate, and uh, you know, missing our dear friend Ivan. But before we really get into all of that, we have two special guests with us. We have Josh Buck and John Everett, longtime listeners, supporters, and friends of the show. I'd like for them to give a brief introduction. I'll kick it over to Josh real quick, then we'll hit John, and then we'll get right into the event itself. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us your background, what do you enjoy to build, and, and what's on your bench right now? Well... It's a good question. I model. I started off modeling World War II aircraft. My grandfather uh, was a Navy pilot. He started in '42 and ended in '74. And he's the one that kind of got me into modeling. So my initial love was aircraft, but nowadays I build anything. I just like building models. I don't care if it's a figure, an airplane, a tank, a sci-fi. I I love all of it. Um, right now on my bench, I have a Arma Hobbies Ki-84. It's a really nice little kit. It's going together pretty quick. I'm loving that, but I've been modeling pretty much ever since I was a little kid. I never really took a break. It slowed down a little bit in college and grad school, but yeah, I got probably a lot more serious into it about 10 years ago, and I feel like I started getting decent at it like six months ago, so that's where I'm at right now. Josh is being modest. He's he's a really talented modeler, and uh, he also is a 3D printer. Uh, helped me with a base for a model that I took to the show as well. So I, I just like to play with all of it. So yeah, I do some 3D printing as well. I just love every aspect of the hobby. It's cool to to build stuff, watch something come together. That's what I like about it. Nice. And that's a great theme to pass off to our next guest, John Everett, who I like to always say online, what would John Everett do? Because he embraces <laughs> that mantra where have fun. So John, how are you tonight? I'm I'm well. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe give our listeners a peek behind the curtain at some of your unique creations that we'll definitely get into. There, there might be some curtains or rocks under which you don't want to look, but I, yeah, I, I still, everyone else, same story. I had the little models as a kid, went away, came back a few years ago. And a big part of it was uh, coming back. Was we, we ended up moving overseas. I lived in Abu Dhabi with a family for a couple of years and I was big into radio control and couldn't do that out there. So I got into scale modeling and brought that hobby back home with us when we got home about 11 years ago. And I've just kept doing it since, but um, yeah, I started conventionally building dioramas, doing armor models, Jeeps. Jeeps were still among my favorite thing. And I liked Scott's 16 scale Jeep that he's got. That's pretty nice. And uh gradually moved out of the conventional stuff. Just get, it was some of the star Wars movies that got released. And I thought yeah, I could build one of those. And I started buying styrene sheet and scratch building stuff and found that I really kind of liked scratch building the science fiction topics. That didn't mean that it limited me to just that, but the science fiction has then led to wildlife and Scott Gentry seems to like my dinosaurs a little bit. Um, so I've, I've been having fun with that, but still conventional models are on the table. Uh, there's a, a series of kits that are in large scale, one twentieth scale. There's Cessnas. There's a Cessna. There's a helicopter. There's a Japanese four seat trainer that's in the series. But I like to do civilian types. Uh, if I bought a military model, I would paint it in civilian colors. And no, nothing against those guys that like to do the camouflage, but I like the the more bright and interesting things, which is what I'm finding that I do in the science fiction world as well. 
I'm going to echo what Scott said for Josh. Our listeners, John's being modest. He's definitely world class. Some of his some of his dinosaurs could literally be in the Smithsonian because they're awesome. I had the pleasure of buckling one in in my back seat. Uh, but John is also known for some of his unique creations. And and I got to tell a personal story real quick. We were at Colpar a few months ago. And we're looking in the second hand stash, or maybe it was the new stash. It was along that back wall. Oh no, that was second hand. That was third or fourth hand. That <laughs> was that was these are the models that nobody wants. You go to the club <laughs> auction, the club auction, and the guy's like, one dollar, one dollar. Okay, look, we'll take three of these boxes. How about fifty cents for three of these boxes? It was that model. It was, it was that, that kind of model. It was that model. Yeah. It was, it was like a, it was even bigger than a one to one scale, I feel. It, it was, was a- yeah. It was like it was a well, I guess to clarify this this is an old Lindbergh kit uh, from about 1968-67 and it is what they call the great american bullfrog <laughs> and it is it is a green sort of a clear plasticky <laughs> green bullfrog the top and bottom halves come together there are internal organs you're meant to sort of like one of these by bi- visible man visible woman visible horse that we all know that Lindbergh made and uh this one this one's a bullfrog a visible bullfrog with and so john said you ought to buy that and I said, I, okay, you effing dare me. All right. All right. All right. You've thrown the gauntlet down. That's fine. I shall pick it up. And so brought that home, forgot all about it. And the, I'm not sure how the, the, the Maquet build began happening on the PPP. I, I, I don't know. It was a fever dream. I was, I, I don't, I was high on roofies. I don't know. And, and, and I thought, you know what? I could make a Maquet model out of the great American bullfrog. And it was just, it was one of those really weird ideas and I went with it and you know what? It hasn't turned out half bad. I've been, I've been pleased with it. It's been fun. It's a dumb, it's dumb awesome, model. man. But if people get a little laugh, if people get a little smile, I think a lot of my work comes down to people just getting a little bit of a smile, a little memory of something they did in their childhood or something like that. I'll let those serious guys build the Tamiya models um, because they're really, (laughs) really good. Those guys are really good and I'll never be as good as those guys. But if I can build a little something that kind of makes people smile and remember what they did as in childhood or something their kids really enjoy, if you can show your model to a nine-year-old and their eyes light up, then you've succeeded. I'm going to nominate you for a Nobel Prize for actually <laughs> making something useful out of a horrible Lindbergh kit. I mean, it's really cool what you're doing with it. But, I, I'm not sure know. we could. I'm not sure we could call it useful, but uh, but hey, if if it if it gets a laugh, it gets a laugh. That's all that matters. So oh, a couple no. hours before that, we'd been at Aberdeen Books, and yeah. John says, "Hey, look at this!" And they had like a few copies of a book, a photographic book about frogs. Big, giant, hardbound, beautiful photography. Yeah, it's, it's wrapped it's, in plastic. And he yeah. said, "He said you should get this." I think we both bought one. And so frogs. I mean, it was just. It was really funny that right after that, John hands in this model, and there you yeah. go. Yeah, it was. It was like in the Star Wars movie where where the little the little boy Anakin is discovered, and I've sensed a convergence in the Force. That's what this was. That's what this was. Panani <laughs> said, "Here, here's a frog model. You should do something with that." And then, and then Doug found the frog book, and I, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we should do. There's a, there's a confluence in the modeling force, and so now in the next, I'll get that finished. Next couple of days, I'll put it up on a stand, and we'll put it in as the part of the Maque group build next year. So that should be fun. I love it. Some people see coincidence. I see providence. So I'm, um, I'm ready. I cannot wait, and we'll certainly talk more about your pieces and. You know, one of the big pieces, and I'll just start off by, you know, how did this event, you know, transpire going to Salt Lake? And it was, I think the first, you know, step 
in the direction towards Salt Lake was John stopping by my house the Thursday night before the show because he was going to fly there and he dropped off Philip and his friends. <laughs> Maybe tell our listener who Philip is and then who his oh. friends are. And then uh, Scott certainly has a personal story with Philip as well from a year or two ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Philip made the made the Las Vegas show, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so I as part of this whole science fiction unusual model kind of road that I went down, I started doing some dinosaur kits. Uh, there's a, a number of really good resin manufacturers out there. Most of them are uh, they're Holocast, Rotocast resin kits. Uh, they come in five or six big pieces. You glue them together. You have to fill up the seams with epoxy putty and do a nice job of that. But then they're a dinosaur. You can paint them any way you like at all. And I did a couple. They turned out okay. But I finally uh, got this big one. It was um, a Parasaurophilus with this species of dinosaur. It was a duckbill dinosaur, essentially. One of those of that group. And it was from Masterpiece Models up there in uh, in Portland by uh, John Geigel, who we know here on the show. And I don't know if he's got any more in stock. He may, but uh, Masterpiece Models has a good number of uh, dinosaur kits in resin if you're interested in that. But I bought I bought this big Parasaurophilus. It's a one fifteenth scale. He's about three foot long, nose to tail. A beautiful sculpt, really a nice pose. And so I painted that up. It took roughly eleven hours of airbrush time to paint paint that Parasaurophilus. And the I, the kids ended up naming this particular dinosaur Philip because Philip the Parasaurophilus. So that's that's a little joke there. But uh, yeah, P- Philip lived up on our fireplace. He lived up on the fireplace for I don't know. He's the only model I really display are the dinosaurs and. He was up there for four or five months, and I took him to Vegas, and sure enough, he took first place in the dinosaur category. Now, I don't know if that's saying much, because usually there's never more than six or seven entries in the dinosaur category, but he's big. He's dramatic. Uh, one of the things I did with him, I replaced the, uh, the the eyes that are cast into the head. Uh, you drill them out, and you replace them with uh, taxidermy eyes, and these particular eyes belong to a shark. I didn't want quite the dinosaur bird, raptor bird look to this because these were a plant eater. I wanted him more more like a sheep, more like a goat, but not quite. These little shark eyes were eight millimeters and they, they looked about right. So I put those on there and sure enough, he kind of brought them to life a little bit. And uh, I did some other dinosaurs. There's a guy out in uh, Missouri near St. Louis. His name is Shane Folks. His website is Cretaceous Creations, if you're interested in that. I believe that Shane may be the most skilled dinosaur sculptor in the United States. There's some good guys out in Eastern Europe, Europe and, uh, and China. But uh, here in the U.S., I think Shane Folks might be the guy. And he does all sorts of, of uh, nature models, everything from dinosaurs in large and small scales to um, Ice Age woolly mammoths and and he's he's doing some other tarsiers and just big animals and he works for museums he's a professional he makes his living doing dinosaurs good guy to work with um, real solid his he he can take a while if you order something and take a while for him to get it cast because he doesn't he doesn't do casting so he has enough orders to fill up the books but started doing a lot of those and so we yes now we have terence and philip we have philip the parasaurophilus we have uh terence the uh taurosaurus uh then yeah and stego steve we can't forget Stego Steve. We love that guy. Uh, and then there's a new one I'm working on now, again, from Shane Folks. This is another big model, about three foot, nose to tail. And he is a Pithecosaurus, or P-I-S anyway. They're, it's a parrot. It's a parrot 
lizard is what it is. They had a, a parrot beak on them. They were plant eaters. And uh, what I, what's good about this particular one, they say we're sort of the sewer rat of the dinosaur age. There were over a hundred of these skeletons have been found. And so they've got really good data on what these animals look like because they have multiple samples of them. Um, they've even got some of them were so well preserved. They've got not just skin texture, but actual coloration in the skin. Browns and reds and red browns were pretty much what they're sure of based on the proteins that they're discovering. And most of them are coming out of China, but the Pithecosaurus was from Shane and I bought one at uh, Wonderfest back in June. And that's currently on the base in the, on the basement floor, getting ready for paint probably over the winter time. And in that case, I took out the resin eyes and I put in the uh, bobcat, bobcat eyes. So I'm, I'm hoping that model will turn out pretty well and uh, we'll see how that one goes. I'm sure it will. I got to spend a lot of time with uh, your work in Vegas and uh, really, you know, got to judge that category. And, you know, those eyes that you're using, it's kind of freaky as you're judging a model. You don't usually, as an IPMS judge, have an experience where the subject actually kind of seems to follow you around with its eyes. And and that's kind of the effect that you have. But, you know, just beautiful, beautiful work on those, John, and fantastic. Really, really glad they got to come over to Salt Lake as well. They did. Um, the whole the whole collection. I think I had six dinosaurs on the table out in Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah, you were the category, which is awesome. I guess I was. Yeah, there were no other dinosaurs <laughs> in Salt Lake, which is unfortunate. I like I like the guys bringing the dinosaurs. And then John, uh, John and his dinosaurs weren't the only uh, passengers that you had coming over from uh, Colorado. Correct. Yeah. I drove a little bit north. Uh, so we left on Thursday. The show was Saturday, but we wanted to get in a little bit early so we could enjoy Salt Lake because I'd never been to Utah. And uh, one of our listeners, great friend, uh, Steve Baker, he lives a little bit north of Denver, was was kind enough to join me along the ride. What he didn't know is he actually drove the whole way because I'm like, oh yeah, I took the afternoon off. No, I didn't. I worked the whole way. So I really appreciate his uh, his ability to drive across the one of the most boring states, Wyoming, uh, and then down in to Salt Lake. But to be honest, I'm used to Kansas and Iowa. So I thought actually Wyoming was pretty beautiful. Uh, we stopped at the the Little America like rest stop. It's it's like an oasis. It looks like something out of Virginia in the middle of Wyoming. Very green and luscious, uh, very touristy. So stop by that. And then we also stopped by a, a Voodoo and an M60. It was in a road stop. I'm trying to think off the top of my head the the the, the town. But Shane Doke had been there and he had he actually grew up in the town, which was pre- Rock Springs. That's it. And he grew up in the little town. He's like, oh yeah, stop by there and check this stuff out. So we did a quick detour and then uh, jump back on I-80, which it's right off I-80. You can actually see the vertical stab off the road. And then we got into Salt Lake that evening. So it was great. As soon as we went through Park City, my laptop died and that was it concerning work until Sunday evening. And then we we cruised in and we met Scott and Josh Buck at a really sweet spot in uh, in Salt Lake and had a great dinner and uh, I'll, uh, I'll let someone else tell the story about the check. Cause I, I feel, uh, I feel like since it involved me, I can't tell the story, but, uh, Scott, maybe I'll kick it over to you. Or- well, we, uh, <laughs> we went into this place. It's called strap tank brewery and, uh, Josh kind of recommended it. Great place. I'd never been there. Uh, but as usual with us, when we go in for dinner, we usually close the place down and, uh, you know, we were there talking and talking and talking. We finally got the hint when, uh, the employee started doing a combination of staring at us and then also taking all of the chairs on the tables all around it and putting the chairs up on the tables and then resuming the staring. 
Uh, so it was great, you know, great food, great conversation all around models and uh, really, really great, uh, you know, way to kick off the weekend. And uh, our good friend Josh here, he's going to be uh, shy, I think, but he uh, kind of pulled a fast one on us and picked up the check and the waitress came back over and John decided, well, we better do dessert. And I'm not sure if he really wanted it or just felt guilty from all the staring from the employees. But anyway, he asked he asked our waitress if if he could add some dessert to the check, and she looked at him and as serious as could be and said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and John, who knows his way around a conversation, was pretty stunned and didn't know what, didn't know what to say. But anyway, we finally got around to the fact that uh, Josh had uh, snuck around and taken care of the check and and everything. So that was a lot of fun and and really really great food. Um, unfortunately, we kind of missed out hooking up with uh with doug but um that was just uh night number one and then uh we had uh i have learned from the best mr banani here has been really really good about putting together uh on these model shows turning them into events planning museum visits and all kinds of you know seeing parks and all kinds of stuff and so um anyway i put together uh a day that was a lot of fun. It involved, uh, we went to the Hill Air Force Base Museum. We hit MRS, which is a great hobby store here. We, we hit Kit Links, which is part of the MRS family. And so we hit that as well. We got some got some great food. And then I arranged a bunch of us to have a visit at uh, Kindigit Design, which if you know your uh, Resto mods and your hot rods, you know that the Kindig shop not only has its own TV show on Motor Trend, it's called Bitch and Rides, but um, they also build top level, you know, we're talking half a million dollar cars and up top level cars um, anywhere in the, uh, in the U.S. It's really fantastic. So I think we need to back up, though. You know, one of the first stops in the morning, Scott had his itinerary planned. All right. Boom, boom, boom. We're going all these places. Okay, cool. I'm in. Show up, can dig it after our uh, decent breakfast at the Holiday Inn Express. Roll in there at 9 o'clock, ready for the tour. And we walk in, and the lady's like, you do not have a tour scheduled for today, sir. He's like, well, like you could see Scott, Scott doesn't get flustered, but you could see it kind of threw him off. Um, but we recovered. Well, the was, best, the best was, are you, she, when she asked him, are you sure you had the right day? And he said, yeah, let me show yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like, of course I picked the right day. Duh. <laughs> and then what, I, did I, you, what did you show her? Oh, I had some reservations on my phone. But yeah, I might have, I might have cried a little. I'm I'm not too not too afraid to admit it. Uh, but they were they were awesome. They hooked us up later in the day. Uh, we just had to sort of shift our time frames a, li- a little bit and everything. But we got uh, all that resolved. Went to Kit Links and then we went up to uh, Hill Air Force Base and there we met some friends. Yeah, and before we get to Hill though, I will mention the two. Yeah, the Kit Links location are they technically both MRS as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they partnered up together. Okay, yeah. and then what I found cool about the Kitlings place is the giant RC tanks in the back. Like, the, what are they? One sixth scale? They're one sixteenth, or yeah, one sixth. Yeah. Giant, yeah, giant. Make my one sixteenth scale DOS work stug look like a toy. That was a really cool shop. And then, like you said, Scott, we went up to Hill and met some great people there. Ran into uh, Hank and Dan Nofel, and uh, they were touring around the. Uh, 
the um, museum with us as well. And then uh, we just caught Doug Reed and the uh, guys that came down from Oregon as they were leaving. We were just kind of arriving. And that's a great museum. If if uh, to all our listeners out there, if you if you haven't been to Hill Air Force Base to the museum there, you owe you owe a visit when you're here in Utah. It's a really, really great facility. Yeah, right. we, we met we met Pat Brown up there, Dan and Hank, uh, Sean Earl. Lives. Sean Earl was up there. It was it was a really great time, and they were doing a little special presentation. So they pulled some airplanes out, and then I'm like, oh, it's a courtyard. I can just walk out there. And some guys like, excuse me, sir, you need to get back here. I'm like, oh, well, okay, no one stopped me, but uh, I'll get back. I already got my picture, so I'm fine. So yeah, then we went to Kim Diggit, and that was fantastic. And then afterwards, Scott, maybe you can relay. Uh, uh, that incident in the parking lot with, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. You see, see a different side of JB here. So, you know, we, all get, day. <laughs> we, we get done with the tour and you know, everybody's buzzing. Oh, that was really, really great. And with the tickets, you get some, you know, some cash off in the gift shop. So I was you like, never well, said let's go. That. Let's, uh, well, I said that to some of us, but anyway, I thought we were all going to go to the gift shop, but John looks over at me with like these bloodshot eyes and he goes, Scott, we need food, coffee now. <laughs> it was like, whoa, <laughs> let's uh, skip the gift shop. Uh, JB was officially hangry at that point. <laughs> I hadn't eaten uh, all day. I, I think uh, Steve Baker wasn't too far behind him. So, <laughs> so yeah, we uh, we hit a local uh, local Starbucks and then uh, headed up to uh, MRS, and uh, that's where I, we met John Everett. You say you'd hadn't eaten all day, but didn't you go to that diner with us for breakfast? Yes, he did. No, didn't. What diner? That was after, the left fourth diner. After we we after oh, Kim yeah. didn't work at first, then we went well, to a so- diner. So here's the issue, though. I had breakfast at the hotel, so I only got like a little bit of eggs and bacon at the diner because I'm like, oh, we'll eat lunch like a normal person. I won't stock up for breakfast and expect. So basically, this is basically this is the coworker that complains. I didn't have breakfast except for a couple eggs and some bacon, a muffin, some toast, coffee, juice. I'm high maintenance. Okay, I am. I am high maintenance. Now I want to. I want to say something about Ken Diggett. So Ken Diggett, when we were we got to the the museum, and I was really I was really happy to be there, and we were having fun, and we kind of rushed it because Scott wanted to hit Ken Diggett. And in my opinion, I mean, I'm not a car guy, so I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I'll just go where everybody wants. And holy smokes, is that place cool? Ken Diggett has it's insane what they do there. And so I would highly recommend their show. Like Scott said, it's on Car and Driver. What's the? It's on Motor Trend. Motor TV. Trend. Yeah. Motor Trend. But I mean, the, the, they showed us all these cars from start to finish, how they are prepping and they're they're doing all of this, this incredible work on them. And I saw some stuff that that actually blew my mind and made me want to be a car guy. And if anybody complains about sanding seams, you got to go sand one of their uh, car bodies for three months to get it ready. Yeah, I think it was that fleet side pickup. They said they had a guy on it eight hours a day, six days a week for three months. Three months. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and, but- and that, that's really why I wanted to get everybody there is we're all modelers, right? And so really what you have with these guys is a customer will bring Dave Kindig, the owner of the shop, they'll bring him a car and they'll say, this is kind of what I'm thinking. And then Dave will literally like sketch it out. 
And then they and then his guys go to work on it because nothing they make is stock. Everything is custom. And so it's really kind of one to one scale modeling um, with really no budget whatsoever. I mean, like I said, these cars are just half a million dollars and up, you know, imagination's the only limit. So would you would you call it scratch built? Uh, you yeah, take yeah, you take a base yeah, and then you scratch yeah. build the thing. They had was it a 1970 or 71 Chevy Nova. Now, when yeah. I think of a Chevy Nova, I think of Beverly Hills Cop. Axel Foley had the crappy blue Chevy Nova. It was a piece of junk. It was old. It didn't run. So that's what I think of. And I saw this thing, and it was immaculate. It was gorgeous. It was I've never seen paint like that in my life. It was this light blue that it looked like you could swim in it. It wasn't painted to look like water, but it looked deep and cool and refreshing. I mean, it was amazing. Probably used Future to clear coat it. That's right. <laughs> well, they were working on what a seventy a seventy Challenger for Kevin Hart was in the shop. They uh, call for a small man. Yeah, they moved the seat thousand, way up. Way up. Thousand horsepower engine is what's going in it. I mean, it's it's yeah. crazy. It, it reminded me honestly. It was it was one to one scale modeling, hundred percent. I mean, the way they were literally tearing down the the cars to the frame and honestly scratch building everything back and whatever pieces that they could use bondo was their friend instead of using a little emery stick they're using a giant emery stick and it was it was pretty incredible seeing them also polish the hoods when we walked in and learning that it's what took four days to clear coat and polish the one just the backside of the hood for crying out loud and it it had a very modeler vibe where I know it's you know it's done right. No one will ever see it, but I know it's there. I mean, the welds on the some of the chassis that they were you know going medical on. You know, it was it was true yeah, mental grinding and sanding away the weld seams on the frame. Yeah, yeah. And what I felt was great too is you know you probably for for people that are always in front of the camera or you know you hear horror, horror stories of you know never meet your heroes because they won't treat you nice. But what I can say is that shop. You know, for people that are in front of the camera all the time, probably get asked a bajillion questions. They were super engaging to us. Very nice. You know, one guy even stopped his work. I think he was one of the main one of the main people on the show. You know, just stop while he was sitting on the ground working on the chassis and talk to us about it. I thought that was super cool. And the staff there was unbelievably friendly, really, really, really top notch and highly recommended for everybody in the Salt Lake area. And I'm sorry that I caused us to leave a little early from the merch shop. <laughs> it's all good. When Then we went to MRS and uh, John Everett, I'm kind of curious as, as an out-of-towner, air quotes, you know, you, you're a pilot, so you get around uh, quite a lot. But what do you think of MRS Hobbies there oh, in that's, uh, Sandy? That's a- that is what I like to think of as the old school hobby shop. You know, they've, they've kind of, they've been updating and modernizing. I've been going down to MRS now for geez, probably six, seven years, you know, just take the light rail down there. It's a quick walk. And I've watched as they've kind of progressed from being sort of the place that's the dark, dusty old shelves, or you go through old boxes and old junk and you find a few bits of treasure in the old junk and now they're much more modern um i was talking to the owner i can't think of his name what was it doug yeah doug um i was talking to the owner there about oh, i don't know three years ago and he said that i'd noticed that that it had been modernized you got better lighting the aisles are more organized he said yeah we've we've revamped the place since the uh, gundams came along he said the gundam robots have saved this business he said it was like throwing a switch. He started getting the Gundams in there, a whole new group of people, new young people coming in, new blood into the hobby, and bam, he's just like, let's redo the store. He was going to close it down, I guess. Yeah, he's he's really a visionary. I think um, the Gundams, you know, uh, Doug, and, Doug and Josh will confirm this, but 
he'll get in pallet loads of of Gundam kits and they'll be gone in a week. It's it's pretty pretty incredible the clientele that he's fostered on those. Yep. So I I really liked MRS. I thought that those are just great old hobby shops and he's what I like to see about it, it's the old school kind of a place, but he's updating it. You're seeing new types of paint, new types of glue, new types of products, new tools that are that are just kind of cutting edge or maybe not cutting edge, but they've been around for only a year or two and you're seeing them on the shelves there. And I, you'll see them there before you'll see them at the more conventional mainstream hobby places. So I do like MRS. It's one of my favorite places to go to down there. So if I'm not, not going to go climb up Ensign Peak and have a view at the downtown, then I'll go down to MRS and go spend some money at Doug's place. Yeah, I, I'll echo that, John. I, th- I thought it was, like you said, it kind of had a mix of new and old where the old, or, or I should say traditional hobby brands, you know, the Woodland Scenics and a lot of, you know, I found MV lenses there for crying out loud. But then you go to the other aisle and even up front on some of the main, you know, pillars or end caps that had the modern Japanese stuff, you know, some of the sanding sticks, the the accessories and other types of tools, like the little metal tins for paint for like $3 and you get 10 of them. I just threw them at people. I'm like, buy this, buy this, buy this. Don't even question me or I'll buy it for you. Also, you mentioned paint. Walking in, the whole left side of the building is paint from start to finish and it's all the major brands. And from my perspective, Scott, you maybe, and Josh too, it seemed like they they sold out a lot, and it, and it seems like stuff flies off the shelf there. And they were restocking AK the morning we showed up, and by the time it was on the shelf, I feel like a couple were gone already. It was it was again a, a really great shop, and you know you got volume of new stuff and the consumables, and they hit everything on the head. The only thing I was missing was a little Mister Surfacer black primer, but that's okay. That's okay. I got the mahogany, so I'm okay. Okay. Um, and I got coffee afterwards. So I, no, that was before. So I was feeling. <laughs> yeah, horrible. you'd already had coffee. Yeah. I had my little little egg sandwich, my little yeah. little you know afternoon delight. I even had a cake pop. Scott and, uh, Gentry. Scott Gentry was still shaken enough by that whole event that he told me about the the coffee shop needs while had, at MRS. Yeah, he had PTSD. Out the lot, still out the lot. He was just smoking cigarettes and just, just still shaking. <laughs> Shaking, sucking his thumb in a fetal position. About Stay away how, from that guy. Uh, yeah, how you needed to get to some food at the coffee shop. It was like that poor guy in MRS when he was unpacking the AK box and he pulled out a couple packages of those dried sea balls that Martin is <laughs> yeah. always showing in his videos. And we were all like, <laughs> you know, it did, they didn't even hit the shells. They were just all snatched up immediately. And yeah. then you guys had a repeat of the night before when they wanted to close up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like we are going to be closing soon. It's we are closed now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get out. Get out. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, cool, man. Like when the Terminator got into that helicopter and told the helicopter guy to get out, it was like get that. Out. Went to another great local place called the Garage Grill, and yeah, we closed that one down too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to mention too a Kit Links or MRS, I should say. The one thing I found that was really cool, and unfortunately I can't take advantage of it because I'm out of town, but you have the ability, they send you coupons, right? And get, you know, dollars off. I, I think when you checked out, you guys got what, $5 off, $10 off, you can rank they're, up? Yeah, their lo- loyalty rewards program is great. Um, so periodically 
uh, to get you back in the shop. They'll just text you, say, hey, here's five bucks off. We didn't see you this week. I mean, it's literally that often. But you get, uh, Scott can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's 10% of your purchase back as points that you can then redeem uh, for, you know, so it doesn't take long to rack up a $25 gift certificate, a $50 gift certificate. It's it's a very generous rewards program. And your points don't expire. I know guys that have saved up like thousands of points. I don't know why I can't, <laughs> once I get to 25 or 50, I cash them in, but yeah, it's a really generous program. And in addition to that, Doug and the other owners, like a lot of other hobby shops, I'm sure they'll bring in just about anything you ask them to, you know, and if it's a special order, if it's something that they think look, looks interesting, he'll, he'll bring in a couple more or bring in that whole line. I mean, he started bringing in some MRP paints. And like you said, that, that paint aisle, um, some of those, I know he brought in just because he got asked enough about it. And so he just bought the whole line and brought it in it's it's i feel very lucky to live that close to a, a hobby shop that's thriving like that yeah for sure it's a it's a dangerous place and the other mrs location was great too the one that was coupled with kit links i mean stacks upon stacks of kits and dangerous for for plastic and again another great shop with consumables it's it's really cool to see an area like salt lake have two of those thriving locations uh certainly is a is a nice thing for modelers and by the way, we haven't even gotten to the show yet, team. Yeah, um, I was just going to say we're 35 minutes in and we haven't even talked about this show yet. Well, and there were even more people with us than we haven't even mentioned. John Vitkus, who met us yep. at, at, at MRS. We had Cameron Corliss with us all day. It was yeah, that's birthday. right. Happy birthday, Cameron. Happy birthday. And he had a, I think he had a pretty dang good day with us. It was a lot of fun to have him there. Yeah, that was great. And, and Cameron knows those folks pretty well, which was really cool. When we were at the first Kit Links location, he took some of us behind the velvet rope and we got to walk around the warehouse and take a bunch of pictures and really check out, as I mentioned before, the one six scale armor collection and some of the stuff that that uh, company's doing, really bespoke stuff, layouts of huge, basically huge instructions of how to build these kits and mold them. And they had a whole metal shop in the back. And yeah, major kudos to, to Cameron for showing us around. I really appreciated that. Well, and, and speak, I was going to say, speaking of people we forgot to mention, at least I think we forgot to mention them, probably the most popular model making podcast on the planet, Small Subjects. We had Barry Biedeker with us. That's right. Yeah, he he had, he joined us all day long. Yeah, man, it's just so, so many people, so much fun. I do want to say before we get to the show, one of the things we dealt with all day long Friday was poor Steve Baker. I mean, we, we'd go into every oh shop, every restaurant, at the museum. We'd all get ready. We'd all get ready to go and leave. And everybody would be like, we're Steve. We're Steve. I mean, every single place we went, that guy was just, I don't know if he got lost or just he gets distracted really easy. I I, I don't know. (laughs) Those fighter pilots, they're like, oh, target of opportunity by formation. I'm going. Yeah, it's more like squirrel. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but anyway well uh yeah i guess saturday morning let's talk about uh talk about the show you know ipms salt lake uh, put it on and uh, they do one every other year and uh, they had it at a pretty nice little venue got salt lake community college right on the main um interstate corridor um in salt lake city uh interstate 15 we all got there pretty early and uh, started to set up josh and i uh, had a table that we were running for uh the plastic posse as well as uh a local show that we're putting together. I think most of us ended up judging. And then um, I think all of us uh, here entered entered models, right? That is correct. Yeah. Why don't we, uh, um, Doug, let's start with you. What did, what did you enter in the show? 
Um, well, I brought the um, the little Achilles that I'd done. Uh, made a cheap, quick base for it out of a uh, an artist canvas. Basically, it was a painting canvas that I I just painted a nice red brown and stuck that on there. Entered that. I've never I haven't entered armor in a contest since I was thirteen. So I was just kind of happy to put it out there. Um, it didn't place. No worries. And I, since JB brought the uh, my Y-Wing back that I had to leave in Omaha because I had the COVID and couldn't get back into the model room, the display room, I uh, he brought it. I was like, might as well, I'll put it out. So my Y-Wing was on the table as well. But some other <laughs> Y-Wing <y-wing> beat me. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to allow <laughs> that coming out. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. That's it's aggressive. no big deal. I, that's, that's really aggressive, Doug. I, I, yeah, I, I'm just having fun. I... Look, the other Y-Wing was a stunner. It's a beautiful Y-Wing, and I'll let someone else talk about it because it was just okay. That's what he kept saying, but it won, and it deserved it. Well, and and John, we've already kind of t- alluded to this, but your your dinosaurs represented the category very, very well. Beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, I brought – what, I bring five dinosaurs in total? Yeah, a couple. One was a bust, so I won't call that a full dinosaur. And then I had a skull. I had a, a one-to-one size velociraptor skull that had been painted up. I don't know if that counts as a dinosaur or not, but it's a part of a dinosaur. I really, I really like that piece. I thought it was really cool. And then uh, Josh, what did uh, what did you enter in the show? Um, I brought a 148 Tiger that was part of the uh, Posse's Tiger Group Build Weekend. So that was cool. That was the first piece of armor I'd ever brought to a contest. I brought a 172nd Falk Wolf 190, the Tamiya kit. Trying to remember, I brought two little 1 to 144th Bandai A Wings because I always like to bring something Star Wars. And then I brought a um, 3D printed figure uh, from the Fallout universe, um, video game universe. It was a piece of power armor. Beautiful piece. You know, we talked about uh, presentation, um, John, before we talk about what what you brought over and entered. Uh, One of the things I'm starting to see more and more, it shows is something we've talked about on the Posse a lot, which is that final 5%, the presentation, um, putting figures are a really great base, you know, on that power suit armor that Josh did. He had uh, purchased a like a bottle cap top as a base and painted it with Nuka-Cola, which if you played the Fallout games, you know what that is and, and everything. The presentation was just fantastic. So, John, what did you bring to the show to enter? Oh, boy, what didn't I bring? I think I brought 13. So everything from the big stug to a Mac to some Star Wars and a bunch of armor in between. If you were walking in the contest hall and smelled enamel paint, that was probably my VT outgassing because it was finished in the hotel the night before. Uh, Steve and I, you know, shared a hotel room and we... Uh, you know, basically hot swapped on the desk to see who could finish their model first. And, and Steve finished his King Tiger and I got my VT done. So that was uh, that was probably the, the newest thing I brought to the show. And and I'll just highlight Steve. You know, he's he's starting to threaten armor modeling, which I'm not a big fan of. No, just kidding. It's great to see him come over. But he is uh, he won best aircraft at that show with Armor Hobbies Yak. Uh, simply an outstanding uh, build, an outstanding paint job. It was well-deserved. It well was deserved. really nice. Well-deserved. I mean, there was a lot of great aircraft on the table there. Super tight competition. And uh, he just squeaked it out, I think. And one of the things that Scott was mentioning, it could use a base. So, Steve, if you're listening, put it on a base because it is well-deserving. And he probably didn't because I think he finished it like a week before the show. And then also, instead of finishing a base, he finished the King Tiger, which also placed as well. So, he's a overall outstanding modeler and 
it was really great to ride there and back with him um, and hear a bunch of his story. So major kudos to him. And it was, it was just a really great show. A lot of quality on the tables. Scott, what was the final model count? I think it was like 560. I think it was okay. just about 600. 540, nice. 560, you know, something like that. And then the folks from Oregon came down, Doug Reed and his crew. I mean, that's that's pretty wild to drive all the way from Oregon. We had us. Oh, Joe Porsche and Jay yeah. from from Vegas as well. I mean, really incredible show to have people from, I think, every corner of the West Coast, for crying out loud, show up. And, you know, it was yeah, uh, Cody, Cody Kaczynski came right, over from, from Reno. Reno. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. Long-term really. supporter, great work. And I <laughs> I do have to tell a story. You know, Philip, you know, he made some uh, he made some hotel guests at the Holiday Inn do a double take when I was carrying him in and out of the, the lobby and into the, into the elevator. Like, what, what is that? And you like, we put his little horn out where it's like the bl- it's black and a little blue highlight. And they're like, Whoa, what is that? Um, but yeah, it was, I, it, was, I, it was a good time. I had Philip at a, right after I finished painting the, the giant dinosaur, I had him on a table at a, at a local science fiction event here in Denver. Someone came through the room And Philip was just sitting on the tabletop and someone came through the room with their guide dog. And these are very disciplined, very well-trained animals. And this guide dog came in and locked up and had to be dragged. (laughs) Just the dog just staring. It didn't growl. It didn't bark. It just stared at Philip and wouldn't move. And the owner had to pull the dog past Philip. And then the dog left the room. But yeah, it's those eyes. It's those tactics. It's the eyes, eyes. yeah. And the dog just locked in on that. This was an animal that dog had never seen before. Didn't know know what to make of it. What what do I do? (laughs) Staring staring contest. I can't can't think of a... I can't think of a better compliment to your work than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, dogs love me. Dogs love me. I want to give uh, Cameron Corliss another another yeah. prop here. He, I think he did a really great job with the rest of the Salt Lake City IPMS team. Uh, gave a lot of feedback on a lot of different models. Um, the award ceremony was pretty quick for that kind of a thing. I think that was done really, really well. The show was a little tight, and I just think it was because so many more people showed up than they were expecting. You know, vendor area was a little small, a few things like that. But I think overall, very well done show, very well run. I really enjoyed it. I think it's one of the, like I said earlier, one of the better shows um, that they've had. I'd like to maybe, I don't know, start with you, uh, John Everett. Uh, what was your favorite thing from the show? You can talk about a model or just, you know, the venue or the way it was run. I mean, what, what's something you'll take away from the show? Um, from that show, honestly, I think I was most impressed impressed with a level of, of weathering I'd seen on the armor. That Whatever it is, I, I don't know if it's just a current trend. You'll see this in the art world sometimes. In the art world, we spent from cave paintings to the Renaissance, we spent a thousand years trying to render an accurate human being. And then once we did that, you know, and Leonardo da Vinci is doing this great work, very quickly we said, well, that's boring. Let's do something new. Let's do impressionism. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I think we're seeing that with art and and armor models right now, that armor models had been one way for a very long time. And now we've got a whole new group of people that are like, you know what? Weathering is more than just this kind of chip. It's also this. And weathering is more than just water stains. It's this. And people are trying out new materials, new techniques. And for me, a lot of that seemed to come together at the Salt Lake show, maybe to a greater 
degree than I noticed at, at Omaha. Maybe it was on the table and I just didn't see it because there was an ocean of tanks out there in Omaha. But right there in Salt Lake, there were, I don't know, maybe two, three, four dozen really well done armor pieces right there on the end of the table under good light where I could get right up close. And maybe that's part of it too. A smaller venue, not so many people in the room. You don't feel the need to quickly move out of the way because some guy's trying to photograph something. And so you can spend your time and 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 really have a good look at the model. And I that's for me, the takeaway was just how startlingly good weathering is becoming very quickly on these armor models. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've just missed the trend on that. But for me, that was it. And there's the old cliche of, hey, let's go out and have dinner too. And the dinners are fun. Doug, what, what was something that uh, you enjoyed or that you'll take away from the show? Well, unfortunately, I wasn't there very long. I had to leave. I had a trip to see my other grandkids who live uh, th- three and a half hours from there. But I was there until about 11. And gosh, I, I just really enjoyed seeing the quality of work that was on the table. The the aircraft, especially the 72nd scale stuff, which uh, Steve Baker's was was part of. It's amazing the detail that these guys are getting into little tiny things like that. The, the quality, the the weathering, which is spot on in a lot of cases for the scale, you just can't, you can't put it too heavy because it's, you know, obviously at that scale, it will look wrong, but uh, there was some fantastic stuff on there. Just had a real good time seeing that. Yeah, I was excited to be there. It was fun. I would add the, you know, the small scale armor for a show that size, you know, it wasn't Nats, but for a show that size, there was a lot of 148 and 172nd scale armor on the table. And uh, John, maybe you can comment some of the pieces were yours and, and uh, some of our other friends as well. But I think that you're really starting to see a lot more of the, the small scale armor as well as the aircraft that are executed is just a really, really high degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to echo John's comments The the weathering on the armor was, was superb. It was, it was one of those times where, and I, and I think we've talked about this before it shows and, and really a general trend, I think in the United States where I, I hate to say this cause I don't like to cast judgment, but the armor modeling community is I think pushing boundaries a lot more than the aircraft community. I think you can see it on the table it shows where the evolution of finishing for armor has outpaced aircraft. As as John mentioned, it's it's exploring new techniques. It's it's trying to okay, we've done this in the past. Let let's go do something else. Let's try this. Let's try that. So that was really great to see. Personally, my greatest, you know, highlight from the show itself other than the people which contributes to this was, you know, we got to see Bruce and Martin Drayton as well, both fantastic armor modelers and more importantly, diorama modelers. And that was a highlight of the show for me. I always enjoy the dioramas and those two gentlemen stuck out to, you know, their work sticks out a lot. You know, Martin's P-38 is still one of my favorite models I've seen all year that's crashed on a, on a Pacific beach. I think there's a little parrot on the, on the subject as well. And then I saw one of my favorite pieces as well, I have many favorites, but this, you know, they rank up there. Martin's being aircraft and on the beach, but Bruce brought the one, I forget the title of it, but it's the SDK of said 251 half track coming up and there's dudes like around it. But the overall composition's great, but the thing that sticks out the most to me, which I really love, is the scratch built cathedral ruins behind it and the gothic architecture that he scratch built out of it's it's not like it's like it's almost like foam board, but like, it's very dense. I forget the technical term for it, but that piece I've had a chance to see in Vegas and then seeing it again in Utah. I really enjoy it because 
it's the architectural side of those models. And he did another one. I think it was some sort of monastery or or some sort of church, uh, religious building around Italy. And the same kind of thing where he scratch built the facade of it, had the interior bracing. And I think there was a priest in that one. But And his work is all online. You can see it. You can follow along. He has hundreds of pictures, very well detailed. But that's, that's the kind of work that stuck out to me at the show. It, it kind of goes along with what John said earlier. Except, you know, instead of a nine-year-old, it's a 36-year-old that looks and walks around a table and goes, that's cool. And it's, and, it's, and it's sometimes a subject that I would have never built before. And another one is Bruce's, uh, the Spanish, I think it's a Spanish galleon that's going over the, the waterfall. That's, you know, the earth is flat kind of thing. Another piece that really piques your interest that is simply, you know, something that I'll likely never build. I don't own any ships like that in my collection, but when I look at that, I go, wow, that's inspiring. And, and the same goes for, you know, John's dinosaur as well. You walk past something like that, you remember it. I love Panther tanks. I love building them, but sadly, there's a bajillion Panther tanks on the table. They're all either green or tan, but there are those larger pieces that stick out and, you know, stick with you. Those are great examples of what I enjoyed about the show is seeing those unique pieces. Josh, what about you? Um, well, unfortunately, I spent most of the show in the hallway hawking off my stash to the lowest bidder. Uh, so I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time in the contest room. But um, being a local and being to that show before, what I was really impressed by, which has already been mentioned by by Doug, is it, the large number of kits. But in this case, it just seemed like the quality overall was just really impressive uh, across the board. I mean. It's always cool to see a, a wide variation of stuff out there on the table. And usually I could pick out, you know, this guy's probably a beginner or, or this guy's more moderate. But everything on the table, to me, in my eyes, was just fantastic and inspiring. As far as things that really stuck out, um, I mean, I'll be honest, the dinosaurs super piqued my interest. I thought those were really cool uh, to the point where it really makes me want to do one. I picked up some of the Bandai sure. skeletons. Uh, so I, I, I'm i going to do those uh, with one of my boys. But uh, I've been on Cretaceous Creations a couple times now, and I'm itching to get something like that. They're cool. And then there was a diorama uh, from Lord of the Rings of uh, Bilbo's. Mm. Uh, that was Bruce's. Yes. Bruce's. Yeah. Yep. And what I thought was really cool about that, it, it looked amazing. And and the grass is what really impressive to me. And what I appreciate about him is he would write down what he actually did. He wasn't hiding anything. And I thought the grass looked so cool. And he put right in there, he used fur, which I would have never thought of doing. So, I mean, off the top of my head, those are some things that really stick out. But overall, I just think the quality there, there was amazing. And yeah, kudos to Cameron and the rest of the club for putting on a great show. And I mean, Cameron included. Uh, I think that's why the awards show was short. I think they just handed him almost all the awards. And then, <laughs> yeah, it was the Cameron Corliss show at the that's end. That's right. Like, yeah. Geez, he, oh, man. He cleaned him and Martin. Yeah. Him and Martin. Martin, your turn. Cameron, your turn. Up, oh, stay up here, Cameron. So, no, they, they well deserved. But yeah, I mean, that, that, I don't think anyone, uh, I didn't see anything that, that just wasn't really impressive. Everyone's stuff belongs on the table, but I, I just was super impressed by everything I saw and uh, it was, it was just great. It was a really cool experience. I just want to hit on the judging. You know, we've all talked about the quality. I judged aircraft. It was one of the hardest times I've ever judged, you know, with IPMS one, two, three, there were categories where we got down to the nitty, nitty, nitty gritty. And and it's sad because I could have awarded probably three or four models or three or four models, at least in 
the 48 scale prop allied category of gold because they were that good. I mean, they were national level types of work and it was just it was just really hard to to nitpick. Essentially, I'm sure the armor judges didn't have it any either easier. Oh man! And same yeah. with dioramas too. I mean, it was it was yeah. honestly that it was just difficult because stuff was so good and the quality at local shows is getting so good. And it kind of goes what the TJ talked about earlier in this episode around different styles of judging criteria. It, it's worth exploring based on just people are getting dang good at modeling. Yeah. I, before I, I, ta- I want to come back to judging John because I judged armor and uh, have a bone to pick with you. But um, <laughs> the, <laughs> but uh, the piece that really made an impact on me was our friend Barry Biediger from Small Subjects. He brought a box um, that just it's it's like so much of his work it's subtle it's quiet and 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 honestly you know we 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 always talk about is it art is it modeling i mean it's art because it, it causes you to feel emotions when you see his work and you know it's not grand grandiose it's not big and huge and flashy it just really works and at least for me it really spoke to me and you know this particular piece i don't know what it was called but it's a a girl kind of hunched up in a little like a space station uh, room and and there's a forced perspective window and then a moon off in the distance and it's it's lit very soft and and very beautifully and it's it's just a, a stunning piece just to kind of tip my hat to Barry on that but as far as judging armor I had a great conversation after we were done I had a really good team I worked with but um, like these guys have been talking about the difference between first second and third and even some of the the pieces that didn't place was so minuscule and i got to have a conversation with a gentleman whose piece finished fourth so essentially just sort of out of contention and and he was asking what he could have done better and you know we talked about the things that we found and the the things that we're talking about are so small this show allows for modelers to have sweeps where a lot of shows don't. And this show also allows award-winning models from other shows. And you know, John brought over a number of pieces. He had people asking him if he could see this piece or that piece. And man, you know, just not making it easy on the armor judging team at all. You know, seeing I'm familiar with a lot of John's work and he actually brought some that I wasn't familiar with, but just making making that job of judging really truly difficult again speaks to what we've all been talking about which is the level the level of quality you know john john brought over some pieces that didn't place and it wasn't because the pieces weren't worthy of recognition it was because the pieces that were on the table were so good and in a lot of cases he just beat himself so you know there's that too so yeah and maybe one thing i'll also highlight scott and and it goes to shows in general and judging in contests. And if you've never gone before, maybe you have gone. I do think, you know, you can never take the results too seriously because it's truly any given Sunday, not only from the standpoint of other modelers showing up that you've never been exposed to, but also just the judges themselves. You know, I had pieces that, you know, did well at the show that didn't do well at others. I had a piece that did very well at nationals and didn't even place there. And, and at the end of the day, it's anything goes and you have to walk in with that type of attitude. If there's any type of expectation, you're going to be disappointed at the end of the day. And and really it's not the expectation of the contest that you should be going for. It's, it's the desire to show and share your work, uh, at least from my perspective. And I think the value in, in bringing something, even though you might not think you have a chance, you honestly never know because it's any given Sunday. 
But I, I hearken back to what John Everett said, where if you bring your piece and someone walks away with like, holy cow, that was awesome. Whether it's the dinosaur or like Josh said, the, the, the Hobbit hut. I mean, those things you, again, you might think, oh, I won't win an award, but I truly believe that doesn't matter when someone can walk away and remember that. And that's something that, you know, you, you might even see it posted on Facebook and that's even cooler when someone posts your work in a show album where they say like, this was awesome. And they talk about it. Like, it's just maybe important to remember those things because contests and judging, we kind of hinted at it on the last episode. It, it, they're touchy subjects. They're stressful subjects. And unfortunately contests bring that out sometimes. But if, if we take a step back and think about why we do it, I brought all my work there because I wanted to share it. And I, and I'm happy. I didn't even tell Scott about the one little uh, Dorchester truck I built. And he's like, you built that? I'm like, yeah, it's a little older, but I just wanted to bring it to show it because I'd never really brought it to any shows out West. And I just, again, wanted to put it on the table. I thought it was a unique piece. And again, you know, Scott, you know, th- thanking me for bringing it was, was just enough. It was like, okay, yeah, that's why I brought it. It's not, it's not about the award. It's about, you know, the exposure of the piece and, you know, maybe pique an interest from somebody to build that subject in the future. Uh, just to follow up on that a little bit, John, and put the pressure on Scott, I'm I'm one that always would go to shows and not bring anything because I always felt that, well, my stuff's not good enough to win, so why would I bother bringing it? And and Scott is really good at encouraging people to participate more, uh, for better or for worse. But he he really puts that peer pressure on. And, and I brought a bunch of stuff because of that, that same feeling of, you know, just maybe someone will see it and think it's cool and, and that's good enough for me. Or maybe someone will see it and it'll make them want to do something like that. And more and more as time has gone on, that's what the shows are about for me, or just letting other people see your stuff, letting it aspire them, or or even if it doesn't, just, just putting yourself out there a little more. And it doesn't matter if you win something or not, at, at least to me. It's it's just more about giving people stuff to see. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things there that didn't bring, win awards, but I'm really glad people brought it because it was inspiring and it gave me ideas for things I want to do and I want to build. And, and I think just that idea of bringing stuff just because you think it might win can really limit the experience, not just for yourself, but for other people too. Oh yeah. That's 100%. Yeah. yeah I, cu- I couldn't agree more, you know, getting to see, you know, work. I, I saw John, I think, I think I saw Philip the first time. Um, was it at the Colpar show over uh, in Colorado? No, was that it, before it Vegas? Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just, you know, getting to see it and, and, and like I mentioned before, getting to spend some time and really kind of getting down into the minutia. And John mentioned his, his matador truck. It's a, it's an airfix kit, but he basically rebuilt, I mean, like two thirds of it with photo etch and seeing Josh's armor suit and Doug's, Doug's Y wing and the, the subtlety of the weathering on that and, and, you know, Barry's box and on and on and on. After the friendship and all the stuff we've talked about here, that's really inspiring. And and like you said, it doesn't matter to me if it wins or not. It's really more about sharing it. And I love shows because, um, you know, leading up to the shows, we all were working on stuff. You know, Doug, he finished that, you know, 48 scale Achilles. And, you know, we all were working on different projects and kind of egging each other on. You know, Josh made my piece happen because I really wanted to do a bass and he's a bit of a carpenter and really, really helped me out and encouraged me to do that. And there were, there were a few times where I was ready to just back 
Daggett and say, no, I'm not going to do it. But he kind of pushed me and I kind of pushed him. And, you know, that part of it for me has as much value as the friendship and the dinners and all the stuff we've been kind of joking around about. But that's what I think makes these shows special. Oh, yeah. You know, and and I just want to really hit the nail on the head with what Josh said around just bring it. Because from my perspective, and this is actually proven in data as well, you know, we did the survey for the IPMS Nationals. One of the things that people took away that they really enjoyed was the contest hall and seeing other people's work. And when I think about people going to a show, you putting your work on the table really helps that club draw people in because they're going to see great work. They're good at, you know, they're expecting to see really cool stuff. And and John Everett is probably the perfect example, bringing in dinosaurs where I guarantee every kid that showed up at that show and the adults will remember them and will remember Philip. And they'll probably say like, oh, this year, I hope the dinosaur guy's back. And hopefully they won't. Well, you'll have that one-to-one guy done. Have you named him yet? Uh, no, no, haven't named him yet. I, <laughs> I, and usually it's down to the kids. I let the kids name them. They're, they're teenagers now, so it's less important to name the dinosaur that lives above the fireplace. But uh, yeah, I, we'll, have to, we'll have to find a name for him. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, once I get him painted, when he's painted and has a full personality, then we'll name it. Like that uh, that Gundam kit that had the full background behind it oh, and all the cool. fig- all the figures all over it. I mean, the know, gantry just, the gantry system all over it. Yeah, yeah. Just oh man, just you know, the more you talk about it, the more you remember uh, things that inspired you. You know, Cameron's. Cameron's aircraft models, John Vickis's aircraft models that he brought out. Like, uh, Steve, you know, like John, you mentioned he's kind of, you know, edging into armor, but that little 148 skill T3485 that he built. I mean, oh man, just seeing that in person is just, it's awesome. Yeah. And Inspiring. to our listeners, yeah. And to our listeners, Steve, the way he transports his models, he just puts them in a box. And like, oh, okay, we just got a not even a top on it. We're driving across the state and his Spitfire's just out there in the open, you know, stop at a gas station. Person can go look in the car and get a nice preview of what they're going to see on the table for crying out loud. At least John put a blanket over Philip. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, I, I, I razzed Steve, but yeah, his work was great. One of the things that stuck out to me there too was the big VAC form 48 scale KC-135 and tanking up the E8 Prowler. I mean, I think the guy used a TV stand uh, as the base for it. It was, again, an incredible piece. And when you think about that category conversions and scratch builds, it's one of those categories where the spirit of the award, from my perspective, is awarded higher. That piece of the judging criteria, I think, is weighed higher than the actual, you know, did they get all the seams right? Because I want to reward somebody that's put in that type of effort on something that we'll frankly never see again on a contest table. That was the only one I've ever seen. And I doubt I'll see another one because it's a hard kit to find. It's a terrible kit to build. And no one's got room for something like that, except John and his rafters, I bet. Because that's where <laughs> yeah. he keeps all of his yeah. kits. <laughs> so so, so bef- before we wrap up, guys, I want to ask a, a question. Doug, I want to start with you. But is there anything for you that's more inspiring than going to a show like this for your mojo? That's <laughs> a, it's a, it's a very good question. Most of the time I'd say no, no, there's nothing better than that to get you, to get you inspired to do stuff. And I don't know if it's the show and seeing what everybody's doing or the friends that are inspiring you to keep going and seeing what they're doing and sharing their experiences with the, what they're seeing and what they appreciate, what they like. Those things are probably the, the thing that is the most inspiring to me. John Everett, same question. I, for getting to the shows, there is some there, but I think 
Dugues for me, Dugues models in his blog, he hit it best when he wrote that sometimes you just have to, even if your mojo is, if, you, if you're not really motivated to go out there and build a model, to just get into the workshop and start cutting plastic. And it seems to be a self-feeding, a, a, a positive feedback loop, a virtuous cycle. And you will, by virtue of building a thing, seeing the progress, and then it reignites that imagination. And for me, the shows are the shows are fantastic. I love to see the finished work and I love to hang out with the friends and go close down the pizza joint when they finally throw us out at 10 p.m. But um, in terms of, of getting my mojo back whenever I'm not feeling motivated to build, force yourself. It's a bit like exercise. Force yourself to get out there and do it. And the more you do, the more you enjoy it. And the more you see the progress in the model you're building and like, oh yeah, I can finish this. In fact, after we get done talking tonight, I'm going to go work more on that frog. Nice. JB. Yeah. I, I think it's exactly what John and even Doug it's, it's everything about it. To be honest, it's um, you know, it's the people, the show, the show. And that's what I think when, when, when I think about the value IPMS delivers, I can't really quantify it, but I can qualify from a uh, qualitative perspective. I can, you know, I can judge it as a huge value in a, in a creating an epicenter for us, us, people to get together and be able to share work. And after I see John's dinosaurs, I walk into my basement and go, Ooh, I got some of those Jurassic park horizon dinosaurs. I even have lizard eyes for the Velociraptor. See, And I'm like, man, I'm like, I need to build this thing. And it's, they're pretty big, but again, it's, it's getting bitten by that little bug and, and same, it goes for aircraft as well. It honestly is those subject matters that I don't really get exposed to, you know, at my bench, if you look around in my room, it's, it's almost all armor with Mac spread in a little bit here and there, but the shows and the gatherings, more importantly, the experience I'll say is really what drives the mojo because you talk to people and you're like, dang, I got to put something else on the table now, or you see something at the show and you're like, I got to try that next. So it's literally everything. I'm just certainly happy to be, just be a part of, um, you know, the community and super thankful that we have great, great people to come, you know, literally halfway across the country and to share their time. Again, looking from Vegas, Reno, Oregon, different parts of Utah, Colorado. I'm sure somebody was there from New Mexico and Idaho. And and that's that's what makes it fun. And that's what that's why I've been churning on build since Nats. It's the mojo has got to capitalize on it. Josh. To preface all of this, I am really glad I went. I had an awesome time, and I've I've never regretted it. It's it's full of inspiration. But for me, uh, the shows and the gatherings, uh, for for various reasons, um, is really exhausting and and overstimulating in a lot of ways. And so sometimes I come back from some of those events, even though I really enjoyed it and it was a great experience, where I just feel almost burnt out. And and I know that can sound kind of weird, but uh, to, to go back to what was said a little bit earlier for me, which what gets my mojo going, I think the most is just, especially in times when I really don't want to, is just going to the bench and sitting down. And it might even start with, I don't feel like doing anything. So I'm just going to clean up my bench or clean up this work area. And that turns into, well, maybe I'll just paint this one part, or maybe I'll just glue this one thing. And that that it's a positive loop that starts, you know, building up and building up. And then before I know it, I've been down there for a couple hours. So again, I mean, I, I love the show. I love the experience. It's awesome. Uh, but for me, in, in some ways, it can kind of drain the mojo. Um, and just having some of that time at the bench, forcing myself to sit down for a couple minutes and just seeing what happens is is typically what gets me back up. 
I appreciate everybody uh, hanging out tonight and talking about it. It was a lot of fun. It's a, always a great time to get together with friends and you know do all these things. Uh, JB, appreciate you laying out the the uh, blueprint for me putting together my own little mini, you know, John Bonani cruise of fun uh, before the show. That was great. I look forward to upcoming shows when we all get to do this again and hopefully uh, see you guys uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, John and Josh, for joining us. All right. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for the invite. And next show, where we'll be together, some of us, November November 5th, IPMS High Plains. I will be there. And Josh, if you make your way to Colorado, you got a place to stay. Hey, good to know. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun talking to those guys and uh, reliving those memories is a great show. And uh, hopefully all of you out there in the posse get a chance to go to a show in your area here pretty soon and you know have a lot of fun with uh, old friends and new alike. Now it's time to send a shout out to the Posse Outriders. The Outriders, as you know, are listeners who support the Posse by becoming Patreon contributors. If you would like to support the Triple P and become an Outrider, you can go to our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com forward slash Plastic Posse Podcast, and you can set up a recurring donation there that will help us to offset the cost of bringing you the Triple P. There's three different tiers of support, and they start at just a buck a month. So let's start at the top with our awesome Deputy Marshals. We have Bryce Lacar, Graham Pearson, Patrick Brown, Steve Schaefer, Jay Kidd, Paul Burdett, Brandon Gentry, Mark Ewing, Ted Kawahara, Josh Orr, John Bryan, Scale Model Hanger, Toadman, Model Doc, Doug Reed, Greg James, Les Workala, B. Colt 1911, John Everett, Josh Buck, Black Rifle Model Works, Thomas Bannock, Mark Bradley, Zach Pease, Joel Munson, Eric Brubaker, Jeremy Moore, DB Scale Model Studio, Matt Johnston, Jared Cowell, Jeremy Elliott, Mike Talley, Steve Baker, Mediocre Middle-Aged Modeler, Dan Nofel, Eric DeGleish, Bruce the Model Noob, Ethan Eidenmill, JC Osborne, and Rick Cooper. Oh, man, uh, Doug, help me out here. I'm out of breath. <laughs> All right, we'll go on to the posse foreman. We have Red Beach One, MD Models, The Voice of Bob, Papa Steve Munsell, JV, Eric, Victor, Pete, Toby, Matthew, Matters of Scale, Damien, Kieran, Cody, Lib, Papa Mike, Charlie, Tim, Robert, Forrest Ghost 73, Nuke Man Mike, Greg, JAK, AK Model, AK Armor, sorry. Ash, Irish Pat, Paul, Previous Seat, Eyebones Models, Mr. Grizz, Jackson, Chrisley, Jamie, Craig, Mike, Rick, and Steve. Last but not least, we have our posse outriders, including Jared, Lynn, Pat, and 10 others. Before we move on, during October, we'll be starting to send out posse swag packs, beginning with our deputy marshals, especially the ones who have been patrons for the longest time. 
Remember, deputy marshals are eligible to appear on the posse. We will also get swag packs out to our highest seniority posse foreman members as well. Lastly, great job to all of our posse supporters. You help make the podcast and everything we do a reality. So a sincere thanks to all of you. Yeah, I just like to echo Doug. We cannot do this without you. It's incredibly encouraging. Everyone from from the beginning to, to where we are now that have supported us, even just by posting and sharing the posse online is, is really important and really helps us out. And we cannot wait to bring you more content. And with that, we're going to go into our discussion topic. And this is one I've experienced recently and I'll lead it. And then I'm going to kick it around the room to get some input from my co-hosts. And really it's the theme is it's just been one of those days or it could be a week, but I'm going to focus on a day. So last Saturday I'm here and I'm ripping and roaring through the Samoa. I got it painted and then I put the camouflage scheme on, go to sleep Friday night, wake up and I'm like, okay, it's time to model, go to put on the decals, start putting them on. And it becomes an absolute disaster. Um, they don't settle down. They just don't look right. The film's thick. And then I start second guessing the camouflage scheme and I'm like, this thing just sucks. So I put it aside. I'm like, okay, let's go to something else. So I start painting the Urshats M7 and get through the olive drab, start highlighting it, modulate it. It's looking good. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to clear coat this right now. I want to lock in these colors because with some AK interactive real colors, the first, I guess you could call the first generation of them. I've had some issues where decal setting solution, and if you don't, if you don't have something very mild, it does create some staining or potential tide marks. So I'm like, I'm going to lock this in with some Tamiya Clear, which I actually tried to use their flat clear. Blast it on, and it turns it from a nice modulated OD to just a big green blob. And I was like, oh, man, okay, this looks, um, this looks pretty terrible. Uh, but I'll, I'll see what happens. And then I go and mask the stars on it. And in my impatience, I move the mask and smear a, snar, a star on top. I'm like, okay, okay, let's just put this down before it gets launched into the Rocky Mountains. So walk away, think about things, take my dog for a walk. And I'm like, what is happening? So I think about what I need to do. I come back, I literally pull out a little notepad and I write down, these are the things I'm going to do the rest of the day. And the first thing I did was I grabbed a Tupperware container from downstairs and I stripped the Samoa. And I know that was heartbreaking for some, but it, when you don't like it and you're not feeling it, strip it, grip it, and rip it and do something else. And this time took some rubbing alcohol, cleaned it off. And then with the Stug, I'm like, well, let's get to this. So I came back to it and I actually took some lighter shades of OD and painted on top of what I had already clear coated. And then I'm like, okay, I am not touching this afterwards. So recovered on the Stug and then on the Samwa, I came back, let it dry for a couple hours and then blasted it with a new coat of Mr. Surfacer and all was good. So now I have a clean slate built over there in terms of what to do next with painting. So bottom line is I had a real crappy start to the day because it was one of those days, but I had enough time to get some composure, come back, write down what I needed to do and recovered on two builds. And, and I'd love to pass around the room and you know, we always hear about those times when if it's not going your way, put it down, walk away and don't come back for a while or just forget about it. Well, I, I chose to do the opposite. I chose to not forget about it. I wanted to fix it as soon as possible. And yeah, I, I just like to hear some feedback from others. So Scott, I'm going to kick it to you first. I think, uh, I mean, I certainly have had my share of those days. You know, that Slave 1 build I did, I, I think I re I think I stripped that model eight different times. You know, I just, I was trying to get the right chipping effect and it just kept seemed like I just 
stripped and stripped and stripped. And, you know, I, I kept with it. I think, John, it's interesting that your your approach this time was to keep tugging at that string. And I really admire that because I find when I have days, especially where you had a couple of different things happen to you, where either A, I need to put it down and go away because something's going to get hurtled against the wall. Or I just tend to kind of my frustration builds on itself. But I I also know that if you do that and you take that approach, a lot of times those projects will end up on a shelf for a long time. And so I commend you for sticking with it and really, you know, kind of seeing that through because I think that that'll really pay off for you on both of those projects because they look great now. You know, you wouldn't even know if you hadn't seen some of your posts and, and, and by the way, I really love your composure when, you know, when you said that, you know, well, shoot. <laughs> um, yeah, air would have been a little purple over here at the uh, of the modeling basement of doom here. So, yeah, you know, I, I just for me, it was just literally taking a deep breath. And it's the same thing I do in life when I run into tough problems. I literally write that down, uh, write down what I need to do. Uh, to make the situation better. And I'm I'm really surprised. Eight times for that slave one? Good Lord. That's why you finished like one model a decade. <laughs> well, you know that, I mean, we can get into that or whatever, but you know, it's just the- the We're here, what are we doing? You know, the Lucasfilm models, I, yeah, I, I don't think they master chipped any. I think they painted everything on. And so, you know, the way the skirt of the ship is, is chipped, it looks chipped is different than the fuselage. And I just couldn't get something I was happy with. So so I'm glad I stuck with it. You know, I'm glad. But yeah, there was a time when, you know, I was like, man, this is uh, I'm becoming the world's best paint stripper. And that's <laughs> not what I set out to do on this project. Yeah. And you know what? You noted really something important there. And I, I'm guilty of it because I, I have a few builds that are a decade old where, you know, you hit a roadblock, you walk away and sometimes you just don't come back. And and that's okay too. I don't think that's a problem. You know, it's, it's whatever brings you happiness. And if you don't want to look at something ever again, then get rid of it and move on. Um, but if you have a hope in finishing something, maybe just again, try it sooner rather than later. And, and Grant, I'd love to get your feedback on it. Like Scott, I mean, you know, I really admire your ability to come back. Um, I, I, I wish I could say that there's been too many models that hit the wall behind me. Um, too many <laughs> that I've had days like that. You know, it, it, we all, we all go through days like that. And, uh, and I also like your JB, I like your idea of writing it down. Um, I write down everything myself, but I don't do that. I should maybe do that. Just like figure out my day, how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, and it might be just down to instead of working on a model, I'm just going to clean my desk or, you know, rearrange my paints or something like that. And that just will slow you down. That slows me down. And uh, it makes me feel a lot calmer. That would be a better way to say it instead of frustrated. I had a problem with my Samoa. I got it. I, I, I got it together and I part started putting some uh, Zimmermit on mine, uh, which was this, ver- this version of a Samoa that was used by the Germans in Finland at the end of the war. Um, fighting the Russians and it had this really crude Zimmerman on it and I did it and it looked so bad. And I, I ended up just the, the, just stripping everything off. Um, but you know, I did kind of recover after a couple of days. I'm going to do the prototype version now and I got the 3D printer going. So I kind of buried myself in 3D printing so I could figure out how, what I could do to change that. But you know, that you, you had some great ideas. You know, another great idea is just like you said, take your dog for a walk, go for a walk. 
get away from it for a little bit. You know, I've, we've all had days like that. You know, I had one day and I don't mean to go over time here or whatever, but you know, I, I was rearranging my hobby room a little bit and I, I dropped a ultrasonic cutter off my table, which was an expensive piece of material broke that. And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay. I'm just okay. Then I dropped, uh, was moving some other stuff around and I put my compressor up on a shelf and of course knock that off and break that. So within about 15 minutes, I probably broke about $800 worth of equipment. And I was like, I'm done. And then I spilled paint all over my top of my desk and all, this was like all in 15 minutes. And I was just, I was fuming. I didn't cover the table for like three, four days. I was so upset, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's what I do. And I think, you know, the idea of getting back into it is very, very important. Um, don't let it fester. Um, we all have that shelf of shame. And if we let it fester, that shelf of shame gets bigger. You can only have so many, you know, paint, paint mules. Um, so, you know, get back on it. hundred percent. I'm going to kick it over to TJ. I don't think much stops you, TJ. That is where you would be wrong. <laughs> um, a lot of things stop me. The pile of unfinished kits I have probably puts most of you guys to shame. I don't, I mean, I, I got a fairly decent sized stash, but I, <laughs> I mean, I know you guys know, and, and I know probably a lot of listeners, they pay attention to some of the dumb shit that comes out of my mouth sometimes, but I keep a, um, a spreadsheet of, of all my kits, including the ones that are in progress. So they're color coded. So all I have to do is pull that thing up and I got like, 20 kits and that are in some variety of being built that doesn't even include like wargaming stuff that's so that's a whole nother thing so yeah a lot stops me normally i'm pretty good at just like powering through it um the, the the one i can really remember was i guess this was almost two years ago now when we were doing the uh ryefield t3485 i found a i found a cool camo scheme i tried it it looked like hammered dog so I was like, oh, that's not going to work. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do 4BO green, whatever. I'm going to use this um, MRP paint, which I've gone on record with. I don't like painting armor with it because it's like, you know, I mean, it's as thin as a spider web. It's like tinted water, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Beautiful colors. And their 4BO is, is perfect. Perfect. The best 4BO color on the planet, but it's like spraying it with air. That's, and it's like, come on, man. Like, I don't have time for this. I painted the whole damn thing. And it is anyone that's used MRP to paint anything knows it takes forever. And of course, I'm doing it over black because I just, I primed over, I didn't even strip it because I, don't have time for that either. I just reprimed it black. I'm like, I'm just gonna spray this clear water with a little bit of green in it over black because you know that's a brilliant idea. And I get finished, and uh, or I'm almost done. I think I did the whole the whole chassis, the whole hull, and everything. Almost done with the turret. I ran out because again, <laughs> it's the thinnest paint on the planet. And uh, I use a, a Sotar 2020, which has a paint cup the size of a thimble, so <laughs> it's no bigger than a thimble, and um. I pour more paint in and I, and I kind of like turned and I, I don't know if I got caught on something or, or something happened, but a whole blob of paint flew out of the paint cup, bam, right on the turret roof and it's lacquer. So of course it just immediately destroys all my work and my pants. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I was pissed. I was so pissed. I was like, okay, okay. It's just paint. And um, yeah. I waited till it dried. I sanded and sanded and sanded. I hate sanding. 
And um, I painted it again and it turned out okay. Yeah. So that, that time I was like, no, this, this is not going to defeat me. Recently, lots of things have been defeating me. <laughs> um, this is why TJ, you know, we've discussed in the past, like how he never throws a model away. And it's because it's because he is not going to take any crap from that model. He is going <laughs> to he is going to win that little battle. And there's nothing that model can do. I refuse. I, I, I refuse on principle to throw a kid away. I have a couple that could be thrown away. Um, I have a Tacom Mark One female should be thrown away. I've lost parts to it. I chopped up the machine guns that came with it because I was like, oh, I'm going to use these aftermarket ones, which look awesome. But oh yeah, you got to fold the cooling jacket in a <sighs> in a not a circle in a horseshoe shape because it's yeah. uh oh is it is that a Vickers? I think it's yeah. They had a couple of different machine guns. But I think yeah. this one has the Vickers, the water jacket, wa- water jacket. War- <laughs> All my Virginia friends, <laughs> the water jacket is like a flat bottomed hump. And uh, I'm not, I'm not good at that, especially five years ago when I was deciding to do this. Well, okay. So that got put away. I lost some of the PE, so I don't even have all the guns anymore. I chopped up the original guns because you have to use the receiver, cut the barrel off. So I was like, yeah, whatever. It's in a box over there. I'm not going to throw it away. <laughs> I'll finish it one day. I've had, <laughs> I've been having one of those days every single day for like the last, I don't know, month. I've been <laughs> suffering tiny defeats. Uh, every single time I sit down to, to, to model, I was working on the Arcalion or whatever. This humpy guy, it's a Mac kit. I think there's a picture of it. I put in the group. Yeah. Having to, to sculpt, uh, the freaking joints because they look better sculpted. And I have to do it, but I was like, oh, green stuff sucks. And they look like crap because the last one I did look awesome. I'm like, well, these suck. So I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that now. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm, I'm having a hard time modeling. <laughs> it wasn't painfully obvious. Oh, man, we all get in that mood. Jeez, I think it struck me for years and it's only been, you know, recently that I've gotten out of it. Maybe rounding us off, we'll kick it back to Utah. Doug, if your grandkids haven't distracted you, what else has from uh, maybe getting something finished? Well, you know, you guys talk about uh, DJ mentions the number of kits. He does have me beat if he's got 20, but I counted while he was talking, looking around, around my room, I counted 15 sitting on shelves that I've put off to the side for now for varying reasons. Some of them I'm waiting for paint. I'm waiting for maybe uh, masks for a canopy like that uh, Avenger I started years ago. I did get the mask, but I never got back to the Avenger. Um, I've I've had a lot of issues like that. I mean, I've told the story of how I was using my SOTAR once and I wasn't looking, but I went to set it up on the hook when I was done, you know, in between paint and I missed the, 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 between, instead of setting it between the two hooks, it caught the the back one and it went nose first down, bent the needle and the nozzle. Uh, so I had to replace all that stuff. The spring issue with it last week, uh, just, just little things like that happen a lot to me. Um, I did kill the carpet monster when I built my model room. It's got laminate floors, but I still managed to lose stuff down there. You know, I end up having to get a broom out and sweeping it up and then sorting through all the dust from the, you know, that's built up over a few months and try to find my parts. I just, I don't know. There's a lot of things that'll put me off, but I do, if I really want something done, I'll just work through it. I'll find a way to get around it. I'm not real good. I've never understood the whole stripping paint thing. Not that I don't understand why, but every time I do it, it just seems like I make a mess of it. So I just paint over it most of the time. And it, if you're painting thin, like I like to, then it's not that big a deal. Yeah. I, I could definitely uh, 
find ways to get more done, but I'm always distracted by something. By the way, does anybody want to buy a bull snake? <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I'm not not, in the market. Only, not today. I only have 18 of them waiting, waiting to go to new home. So if you're interested, <laughs> let me know. Um, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> We'll yeah, send a, send a couple to Grant, Doug. No, mail, no, 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 no. A male and a female breeding pair. That's what I there think he really uh, wants. I yeah. am definitely, <laughs> definitely afraid of snakes. I mean, I will like jump on a chair and squeal. Okay, Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He's lame compared to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, John. This is this is a great topic. These are great stories. I think I'm thinking. I'd love to hear from the posse on this topic, you know, and uh, have them post, you know, sort of their issues. Like, I think you called it just one of those days, you know, but I'd love to hear some of the stories because I'll bet there's some pretty good ones. I mean, Doug and I have been modeling together for decades and he's been present when I reached that special point in a project where there's just no more fun to be had and destruction happens and you just you make it so that you're not coming back to it for for sure. You well, know, Scott's Scott's a six. That one time, I think I think it, it in scale it broke the sound barrier. <laughs> <laughs> if you were to, you know, it was a one seventy second scale. So so seventy two times whatever. It's it was going faster than the speed of sound <laughs> in scale. It's twenty nine. I have twenty nine kits in progress. Ooh. Wow. So so that's I have only a- kits. That's that doesn't include the three Warhammer armies I have that aren't done, the five Flames War armies I have that aren't done, the bolt action armies I aren't done, the every other game system I have shit for that isn't done. That's just model kits. <laughs> have any of you been starting a kit? Like you're working on a kit and you're excited about it. You sit down to paint and realize either A, you don't have that color, but you thought you did, or that color is dried up and worthless. How often does that happen to you? All the time. All, All the time. time. Yep. Even though I own a thousand bottles of paint, yep. I still don't have the one I yep. need yep. for the project. Yeah, it's totally, totally applicable. I was oh. going to ask a follow-up question, maybe a 60-second you know, input from everyone. It seems like we all have a shelf of doom. seems like we all have kits that have been started. I'd be curious to know, what is your oldest started kit and why have you kept it so long? And I'm going to go around the room and I'll let everyone think. I'll start us off. I have Dragon's initial Tiger One release. For some reason, it's sitting right next to me on my bookshelf. I got it right when it was released in 05. I started it then, and I almost finished it to primer. And it's been sitting like that for about, what is that, 17 years. So that, that's that's my oldest shelf queen. I'd be curious, Scott, how old is your oldest shelf queen? So the ones I have still, the oldest one is a Tamiya 148 scale uh, Crusader Mark III, and uh, it, it isn't stuck because I'm I don't I don't like it. I just I haven't found that paint scheme, that particular vehicle that really you know gets you all excited to finish it. It's in primer, um, but I did have a couple of projects on there that I offloaded to a buddy that likes to take half half built kits and finish them. I had a to me a 35th scale Yog Tiger and I got about two two thirds of the way through the build and and just lost interest in it. Just I don't build a lot of German stuff anymore. Nothing political. It just doesn't interest me as much as it used to. And that probably was a 12 year old, 10, 12 year old build. Not 17 years. Not <laughs> not that long. Mine's almost old enough to buy uh, cigarettes. So, Grant, how about you? Uh, I, I'm I don't know the year 
and it, it, but it's it's pretty old. It's when uh, AFV first came out with the original. I think the British Bofors. Um, oh wow, that's two thousand. I, I don't. I, I don't. I In the aughts, I feel. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In the early it's, aughts, because before yeah. that, it was only Lead Sled that had the Bofors. Yes, and that was a yeah. big release. Yeah, that was it. Was the British version too? So it was like the first one they put out. I've had that thing, and it's if anybody. Well, knows AFE kid. It's like here's a piece, but here's 79 pieces that fit on that tiny piece. That and, um, and yeah. three of them are broken. <laughs> yeah, or missing. That's uh, that kid is my oldest. It, it the wheels you can't get the wheels straight. The gun platform is 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 just a mess, uh, and, and that's why I've never finished it. I I built the I I built the U.S. version. That's the one that sailed across the room, hit the wall behind me. Um, yeah, that's that's my oldest kit. It's, it's got to be seventeen to eighteen years old. Yeah, it's it's Jeez, old. That's almost that's almost as old as Ivan. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> and you know, Ivan's probably got well. He's got he's three not, Tomcats. He's got three Tomcats, which, you know, which will not get done. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Ivan, you know, he's, since he's not here, I'm just going to say he say he's got a 20 year old kid somewhere. So he's yeah. not here. He, he can't say anything. So nice. TJ, how about you? I think I saw you checking out your spreadsheet. So I, I'm going to double back. Ivan is like me, he's not been modeling that long. So he can't have one that long on his shelf of doom. I've been modeling for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I think, or maybe 11. It's it's somewhere around there. So I don't have that much of a history. However, um, I was looking at my spreadsheet and I believe the oldest one I have in progress is the Millennium Falcon, a 172nd scale Ooh. fine molds kit. Actually, now that I think about it, let me go ahead and up that to 30 because I have the 1144 scale version of that <laughs> yeah. kit too that I know I also started. Now I'm looking at my list. I don't have that listed as in progress, but I know for a fact it's almost it's almost put together. That one actually might be older. I want to say I got into, uh, I've talked about this multiple times. I think I started building Star Wars kits in 2014 something like that and i bought those like because that's finals what there was and uh, i got it around there sometime so yeah i guess it's like eight years almost so that's solid can i can i just say we all want to see either one of those falcons come to light that would be awesome yeah you've been holding out on us i don't think we've even seen a in progress photo No, because I think I didn't do that when I started building it. I, <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go find it. The 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 one seventy second scale one isn't that much. I've done. If anyone has seen that kit, it's got. A, I think it's like nine hundred pieces. Most of it's the Greeblies on the saucer sections. They did a pretty good job of of replicating the kit parts that the original one was built from, and just shrinking it down. Because the I think it's fine molds one. Doug might know. And Scott, you might know too, the fine molds one's based off of the five foot model, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they built, there was a five foot filming model and a three foot filming model. I think the fine molds one is based off the larger, larger, uh, three landing gear one. I think, I don't know. I don't care. It's minutia at this point. It's based off of one of them that I know of, of the, of the two models they built for Star Wars and then Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So all the, 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 <laughs> The whole saucer section is just covered in greeblies, you know, just random crap. Um, and I did the, my due diligence and I circled each one as I glued it on because there's a million of them. Uh, yeah, so I've done the whole top that I know on the on the rear aft, and I think that's about it. And I think I replaced the 
I cut the engines out because the kit engines aren't, aren't good. And I bought resin ones that you glue in front of the bottom and you put a photo etched screen on top. So that they're really nice. I might have even painted them black just so I didn't have to do it later. Yeah. And then the final, the, the small one, the 144th is he's, he's tiny. Um, that one I think is almost put together. I decided to replace all the piping on the, on the saucer because I'm an idiot. Tried to, I think I tried to use, uh, plastic and it did not want to bend shocker. And I think I got pissed and was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore. I need to get some brass wire. I don't think I ever did. Well, we're going to wrap this up with Doug. Tell us what your oldest build is. And it can't be a bull snake. No, the bull, bull snakes are only a couple months old. So I, I mentioned before the, the Avenger I have, I got the TBF one C Avenger from accurate miniatures when it was a new release. Thanks to scale mates. I know that was 1996 probably started it within the next few years so it's been on the shelf for 23 years winner it can it can buy all ours beer <laughs> <laughs> i ordered uh some canopy masks because anybody it's hard enough to pet to 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 hand cut masks for a, a, a regular canopy. But if you've seen the Avenger, you know, there's going to be 20 panels on there that I have to, I have to put these pieces on. So I waited for that. And then um, I was a little disappointed. There's a little spiny looking thing on the belly of the plane towards the tail that, uh, that I just didn't think looked right. And this goes back to what we talked about before when I took it out of the box about six months ago, I said, Hey, that looks fine. A little, little touch up and I'll, and I paint it and you'll never be able to tell that it wasn't exactly, it's not exactly how it's supposed to be. So, so it's up there and I think it's going to actually get done in the next few months. Cause it's ready. I'm going to do the North Atlantic anti-submarine squadrons and uh, just have some fun with it. Nice. Those see, schemes are great. Yeah. I see TJ's grab the, what is that? The one one forty fourth. Yeah. Nice. Pretty, pretty good from here, man. Yeah. yeah. That so photo, photo etch cooling fans on the top. This is the one one forty fourth scale one. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell I was doing. I've clearly shaved some <laughs> sort of, detail off the side here like an idiot so hopefully i had a plan for that i don't know the bottom uh i'll take a picture of it you can see i did not know what the hell i was doing um for all the the conduits actually some of them don't look too bad i'm a little impressed because i was just a wee little lad when i was doing this yeah i might have to pop that off and try to do it again yeah i don't know i don't think sorry scott i don't think this one was ever going to get built <laughs> no you can't let it beat you man you got a you got a record to up yeah but i have, I have, the, I have the bondi one so i can just build that one it's better so here here's a couple things to wrap up this segment i got two things one is let's all take a photograph and then when this episode drops i'll post it on our page and share it in the group and then I'd ask our listeners to post their oldest shelf queen with that photograph as well. In addition to that, I'd like to challenge all of us. Maybe can we make a bet one year from now we have that oldest shelf queen finished? Loser buys a comet. I'm just saying. <laughs> for all I'm four bu- of us? I'll I'm, buying, I'm buying I'll comets. comets. <laughs> <laughs> Grant's just going to get a case of them. You and I, I can know. split it. <laughs> I would love to do, to finish this the Falcon. All right, I let's lo- do it a year. A year's a long time. I just don't know if I can. <laughs> Dude, some some brass tubing from the local hobby shop, and you'll be right back. It in needs business. to be. Re- that's the problem. It's just throw a tarp so on tiny. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, unfortunately, it's on the bottom, so I can't. <laughs> I could. I mean, it had a tarp on it on Jakku and Force. Exactly. There, there you go. No. I'll think about it because the All Falcon right. is is the best, and that kit's yeah. actually pretty good. Oh. And now I remember why 
I shaved off the sides. Um, if anyone is familiar with the Falcon, with the, the center piece in, that sticks out in between the mandibles, it kind of like it's like a trapezoid shape, right? Like that's the whole. And there's like two pieces, like on the top and bottom. On the side there, on the filming model, it looks like they just took um, plastic card and cut mm. random shapes and to add, you know, for more greeblies and detail on the side. And now I remember I was watching it, Doctor Faustus. I love his videos. He has a whole build video of. That's why I decided to do the the tubing on the bottom because he did it. He did that because he poured over the pictures and was like, yeah, there should be these geometric shapes that are like slightly off the the surface. And since the way that piece is molded, you lose that detail on the bottom side, you know, because it's not, I mean, you guys have all, anyone that's built models that anything that's curved, you know, you lose detail on the side from the mold. And that's why he did it. So I did it. And then I just never included the replacement pieces on because I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I was clearly in way over my head. Nice. All right. Well, I still think a year from now, maybe we'll revisit this shelf queen and loser has to buy something. I mean, we're already getting comments from Ivan. Maybe we should just expand the bet to all of us because um, <laughs> he ain't finishing them. Anyway, let's wrap up this segment. It's episode 55. Take us home with some cross promotion grant. The Plastic Posse is just one of several great scale modeling podcasts. You can head over to modelpodcast.com and you will find a link to them, as well as several related blogs and vlogs. Please remember to check out the Make group build on Facebook. And if you aren't a member already, go ahead and join. One last thing, please consider reviewing the Triple P uh, podcast platform you use or on Facebook. Each five-star review helps other modelers find the Plastic Posse. And thanks for joining us for episode 55. You can send your feedback, suggestions, and corrections to Ivan. He will be answering them personally this next episode and will give you the best English accent he has. And to do that, please send them over to plasticpossypodcast at gmail.com. We hope that each of you gets to spend time at your bench and enjoy the greatest hobby out there. So until next time, keep scale modeling and yeehaw! Nice. You forgot to have a good life. (laughs) Have a good life, loser. (laughs) Uh, Just bury Ivan in emails, everybody. (laughs) Thanks, guys. TJ, get some rest, man. I'm going to bed. You had a lot tired. Yeah, yeah dude, but you went fishing. I'm a little jealous. I haven't yeah, fishing uh, over a year. I know I know John knows uh because if he saw it in the chat, I started drinking beer at six o'clock oh, yeah. this morning. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't now, drink, I beer drink beer all beer, day. I, I don't drink beer, but I understand that's usually a no no. Not when you're fishing. Not when you're fishing. fishing. (laughs) Then I had a Bloody Mary. It was delicious. Fish and golf is when you can start drinking at any time during the day. I mean, I wasn't going to, but everyone else was doing it. I'm a sucker for peer pressure. So. (laughs)
<laughs> All right. Yeah. The beer was there, so I wasn't going to let it go undrank. Uh, All right, guys. All right. Adios, amigo. Thanks, guys. See you guys. See you guys later.